It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode I delve into the world of horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrifying flakes. If you made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you mix high school drama, Christmas, zombies, and musical numbers? Why, you get Anna and the Apocalypse. Christmas means joyful living. Christmas means Why, hello everybody, and welcome to, well, the last of the holiday episodes for the Terrible Terror Podcast. And, of course, I had to do a musical this year. Uh, I know, I know, it's kind of a weird thing, and it's the first musical that I've done in a really long time. The last one, I didn't even know it was a goddamn musical, which was Poultrygeist, uh, which turned out to be a lot of fun. And this is one of those movies, I'm going to say this right off the bat, right off the bat. If you are interested in seeing this movie first to get the whole experience, I mean all the dancing and singing, full songs, everything like that, watch the movie, come back to the podcast. It's available on Amazon Prime. And, you know, of course I'm not going to be the first person to talk about this, I'm also not going to be the last person to talk about this movie, but it was something that I actually really wanted to see when it first was, uh, you know, announced. And just never found a place around here. I mean, it really had like a domestic uh, gross of about $700,000. Um, it did a lot better in its native country of the United Kingdom. Uh, and it's basically all filmed in Scotland. Even though sometimes I can't really catch the Scottish accent, it feels like it's more of a New Zealand accent, but only because she wants to go like to Australia. And maybe I'm just really bad with accents. <laughs> Who knows? But it was definitely something that piqued my interest, and I can say that I'm glad that I saw it. Um, and, you know, we'll definitely get more into what I think about the movie as we, everything goes on. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a film. I think that if you want the full experience, you'll get it from watching the movie. Um, you know, if you're like a lot of other people that don't really know if they want to actually watch it, then going through the rest of the podcast is perfectly fine. I mean, You'll get the experience, you just won't get the full experience with the songs. So what I decided to do, because I talked to at least one person that had, you know, their thoughts, and what I kind of was thinking too, which was, I'm going to play like snippets of the song. Basically, you're getting about a minute of the songs. Most songs in the movie are about anywhere from two and a half to about four minutes long. Like Some of them are long, like they're a little bit too long for my tastes as well. But in terms of this podcast, I don't want to inundate you with all of the songs. And I think I even said this with the Poltergeist episode. In that one, I took all the songs and put them at the end of the podcast. So if you really wanted to listen to how all the songs were, you had the ability to listen to all the songs at the end. Not going to do that for this one. Well, with uh, one song. 
There's going to be one. Because I think that if you're planning on not seeing this movie, you should at least hear all of that song. Because I really love that song. Like, out of everything in this movie, it is the best. And it doesn't necessarily... It didn't start off the best for me. But once it, like, kicked in, oh my god. I was like, man. Even at the end of it, I was like, that's a goddamn good song. Like, that could just be a song that you would hear like on the radio and everybody would be fucking in love with it. If you were just playing it, maybe there's probably going to be some people who are like, Ooh, I only listen to, you know, hardcore indie spaghetti Western rap. You know, that's all I listen to. And it's going to be like, dude, don't keep yourself only in one fucking genre. You can also listen to crystal meth rap if you want to, you know, there's plenty of that shit out there. Just look at ICP. But it's, it's one of those songs where, I don't know why, to me, it just grabbed me. And there's a lot of songs that are catchy and poppy. It's that type of musical, okay? Not to say all musicals are just, like, they're all, you know, poignant in the way they... No, a lot of musicals are fucking cheesy. Just look at fucking Cats, okay? Everybody knows at least one fucking song from that movie, which is, like, the song. You know, you know which one I'm talking about, right? Right? Magical Mr. Mistopheles? Who doesn't fucking know that song? But... It's one of those things where musicals are either something you really like or something you really dislike. Like, there really seems to be no kind of middle ground for most people. There are some that, you know, they have, you know, just kind of in their blood. Okay, I'll go see a musical just because, you know, I don't really care one way or the other. I'll just go ahead and see it. And then there's a lot of people that, you know are kind of like me, where certain musicals are fucking rad, and they're great, and it's because of the song, the song structure, and even the way that the musical is played out, right? Whether it's on screen, or you're actually going to a theater to see it, uh, or you're watching some weird PBS recording of it, some of it really works, and some versions of it, like, really work well, like... Into the Woods is a good example for me. I really like the stage production of Into the Woods. I think it's fantastic. Um, it loses me a little in the second half, but the first half is so good. Uh, and the music throughout the whole thing, I think it's pretty good. But the movie, ugh, that was a piece of like fucking garbage right there. It just did not grab me. Maybe it was the characters. Maybe it was the design. Maybe it was some of the choices and a little bit of the changes they made from the original it just doesn't grab me, so I like the stage version of it a lot better. But then there's Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which I love the fucking movie. I think the fucking movie is fantastic and adds more to it than the stage show does. But the stage show still is pretty good. I wouldn't say I hate it. It's just that movie is so good and that soundtrack is so good. And that's more of a rock opera when you look at it. You know, it's not... Everybody grew up with musicals, whether they like to agree with it or not. Because most of us have seen a Disney movie, which is basically a fucking musical, right? It's song after song and, you know, songs that move the movie. But because there's so much in between the songs and there's a lot more action and there's just kind of a random song. And they're not like that total, like, typical musical thing of I'm going to be talking and then I'm going to break out into song. And I'm going to sing this thing that tells me what I say and how I'm feeling. And this is what we want you to know. It is a song. It's not like that. Uh, except for Anna and the Apocalypse is a little like that. So I'm going to warn you beforehand. Um, it is that type of musical. And it's definitely a little bit more of like a modern musical when you like stop and think about it. Like, I don't know if this actually ever was a stage play, but 
it works in some ways and other ways it just doesn't work at all. So it's, it's one of those things where that's where I wanted you to get the experience. So at least you're going to get some of the music, right? You'll get up probably most of them, I think, to like the main chorus of the song. And then after the main chorus is done, because that tells the chorus is basically what telling what the song is about. And you get a gist of what the song is going to be, even though there probably are multiple characters that are going to be singing different parts of the song. And that's how you get it, because you get different perspectives or what's going on at the time that the song is going on. You know, it's like watching Les Mis, and here is what the fuck is face that steals the bread. He's singing in his area, and then the guy that's pursuing him, he's singing in his area about what he's going to do. And then the big chorus is both of them singing together about, you know, how I want to sleep with a girl that nobody wants to sleep with because she's a whore. Like, that's the type of thing that you get with this. So the chorus are very good for that regard. And so, like I said, there's one song. You'll get the full song, but it's at the end. I'm not going to put it in here. I'm not going to say what it is until we actually play it. But you'll probably gander what it is just because I'm going to try not to gush over the song after that sing plays. Um, I'm trying to try to gush over anything in this movie if I can fucking like avoid it, pretty much. So, what is Anna in the Apocalypse? Well, it is a high school drama about a girl that she wants to leave her hometown, and um, you know, all of a sudden the zombie apocalypse happens, and this happens all around Christmas. So that's the other reason we wanted to see it because I'm like, great, Christmas horror musical. That seems that that would fit this podcast perfectly. So, um, that's really my experience with it. Uh, it's it's a good running time for the movie. It's only about an hour. It says it's an hour and thirty two minutes, but that's with credits. It's more like an hour and twenty six minutes, twenty seven minutes, with the ending and everything that you go through. So it's a good short watch, um, and it doesn't seem to linger much. Like it's got a very good pace with it as well. So if you choose to watch it before we go through it. Yeah, you'll have a good time if you're watching it because it's relatively short. If you decide that it's just not for you and you're going to stop it and you want to listen to the podcast, please do. Um, but yeah, the you know, fair warning is that even though I'm going to spoil it, um, I can't give you the same exact experience as I normally would because there are a lot of really good things that happen. And there's a lot of jokes that happen in the background that are pretty good. Uh, during the musical numbers that I might miss or might not talk about just because it's a fleeting thing that happens. There is one that I know I'm going to talk about because it's pretty goddamn funny, uh, especially when, when you go through that part of the musical. So. so like I said, I did watch this on Amazon Prime, and Prime has that x-ray feature that allows you to see a couple little trivia bits here and there. And there was one I found that was interesting is that this actually omits a song. So the version that I'm watching from Prime is not like the Blu-ray cut of the film and the Blu-ray cut includes a film between the uh, headmaster slash principal and the father. There's a song in between them to show the relationship between the two of them. And it was originally cut from the movie and I'm not going to play the song because I can't find that version. I mean, I probably could. I'm just lazy and decided not to go try to find that version so I can even hear it or play a bit of it. But basically they decided that it was going to be axed because they wanted to focus more on the kids in the story and it be their story rather than focus on the relationship between the two of them. Even though it's relatively, I think, important to the story, and you do kind of get it, but you don't know the full relationship, even though 
with the way the movie's cut, like thinking about it at the end, like there is something missing about the relationship they have, or at least the relationship that maybe the father wants with the guy, um, or expects or tries to have. But I really don't know. Like, is it really important? I don't know. Maybe it's something I need to look at after I finish the podcast. But as it stands right now, uh, the the version that I'm going to be going through is going to be whatever was on Prime, which is basically the theatrical and the DVD cut. The Blu-ray cut, like I said, is a little bit different with adding that. I think they added a little bit more as well, a couple of little extra scenes to the film. But for the most part, pacing's good. So you're going to be very entertained while you're watching the movie, and it should move by at a very brisk pace for you, unless you're like me, stopping every five fucking seconds to figure out what I want to write write down in these fucking notes that I've got this podcast. So, uh, without further ado, let's just go ahead and start the film. So, like you kind of heard, it starts right away with a song about Christmas and how Christmas is coming to town or whatever the fuck it is, and... You get a little bit of a portent of what is going to happen as Anna, her father, and her best friend John are driving uh, to school. Because her father works at the school and both of them still go to the school. And so you get a little bit of the outbreak that's coming. It's like there's a lot of throwbacks to Night of the Living Dead in this film. Uh, One of them is kind of this where you hear it on the radio before you actually see it happen. The other part is that when the first zombie shows up. So... You hear this, and then you hear a little bit about the basic bitch problems that Anna, she's going to be going through. We interrupt this program to bring you an important news bulletin. The Center for Disease Control has recategorized the pandemic first thought to be a super virus strain of the flu. It has now been determined to be a lethal pathogen, seemingly capable of reanimating. So you got your ticket for tonight? Dad, I told you. I've got work. You deserve a break, love. Well, I don't need a break. You won't be seeing that next year when it's wall-to-wall lectures. <laughs> you head back from art school yet, John? Uh, no. Not yet, Mr. Shepard. Is that normal? Dad! Sorry. Sure it'll be fine. Hey, you, why don't you bring Anna to the Christmas show tonight? I'm working. So see, John, you tell him. She can. She's got to pay off that ticket. John! What ticket? You said tell him. I didn't say tell him that. What ticket? It's nothing. Anna? I'll tell you about it later. What ticket, Anna? Just... I'm going on a trip, all right? When? Where? Dad. Well, I hope you check when university starts, because... I'm not going to uni. I'm going to travel first. Just for a year, or maybe... Don't be so stupid. Okay, so what the fuck is up with this right away? This is the first scene of the goddamn movie. And yeah, we're getting a little bit into Anna here. And we're getting to what her dreams are and what she's aspiring to do. Everybody wants to take a fucking year off and go fucking travel the world when they're that age. It's so fucking cliche and so fucking ridiculous that it's just like, why do we need to have to be this like conflict in between her and her dad right here at the beginning of the movie and how is she gonna get a fucking way with it anyway she's gonna just all of a sudden be like well 
uh, okay, I'm going to university, or sorry, I'm going to uni, bye, and then I'm going to jump on a fucking plane. Oh, yeah, the university, it's in fucking uh, Australia, because that's where I'm fucking going to spend my time and fucking wander. With what fucking money, too? Is she going to expect to use all the graduation money that she's going to get? Like, everybody's going to come around, they're all going to fucking fund her fun time, fucking every fuckboy that she wants out in fucking Australia, just to make her life fucking more magical? Instead of going to school and doing something else, oh, but don't worry, I'll come back to school. No, you won't. You're going to spend that year in Australia, you're going to get fucking knocked up, and you're just going to stay fucking down there. Meanwhile, while your friend's own fucking friend right there, John, is just going to be in fucking art school. He should be more worried about what the fuck that boy's going to do by going to fucking art school. What are you going to do after that? You're going to sit around there and work in a Starbucks for the rest of your life, making fucking foam figures? Of course, you know, you could make something very good with your life, too, you know, doing artists. Maybe he's going to go for, like, graphical art, and he's becoming a graphic artist and do UI design or some shit like that. And maybe I'm just fucking full of shit, and he's really going to make something of himself. He seems like a bright young boy, at least from what I can kind of tell from the beginning of this movie, but not really. Um... <laughs> He seems kind of like a little um, love-strong, half-wit loser, to be honest with you. And I wonder where that's going to fucking go. Already, we can already see these kind of things coming just from the characters from this one little scene. You know, here's her really good friend. And, of course, he's going to be really fucking into her at the same time. Because that's the way these movies fucking work. That's how all these fucking high school dramas are. You have the best friend. Is he fucking ducky? Is that what's fucking going on here? And he's going to meet her at the dance when all the zombies are coming around. He's going to be like, I love you. And she's going to be like, fuck off. I'm going to go fuck the fucking handsome guy instead. And then, yeah, she's going to have a really terrible Cockney accent. Well, it's not even fucking Cockney. She's just going to have a terrible fucking accent and tell me to fuck off because I'm going to Australia, mate. Um, <laughs> it's just fucking stupid. Like, uh, already I was like, oh no, is this the type of movie that I'm subjecting everybody to? Is this the type of movie that I'm subjecting myself to? Oh, man. So... She's going to be going off. Somehow she's going to be able to afford the entire time that she's down there. You know, with all the extra money that she's making. Just to pay off the fucking ticket. She's working in a fucking bowling alley. Oh, spoiler alert. That's where she fucking works. But is that enough to, like, basically... How how is she getting the money? Like, that's what drives me crazy about this. Where is she finding the funding to fucking do this? Like, is it just coming out of thin air? When she turns 18, does she have, like, a dowry or something that she's going to have access to? Because we learn when they get to the school that her mom has passed away at some point before the whole movie. And, of course, just like every Disney movie, the girl has to have her fucking mom be dead for them to have some type of connection later on in the fucking movie or something. But, yeah, her mom's in the ground, and she must have something that's like saved like the mom put something away that is specific for her that maybe it's her college tuition that she's got and so you know she's gonna go ahead and take from that college fund and that's how she's gonna fund everything but it's not available to her till she turns 18 because her mom was smart maybe knew something was gonna happen to her and boom now she's gonna be set for a little bit but it just seems so ridiculous and the father of course is totally against it 
and upsets Anna when he tells her, what would your mother think? And of course, that creates that rift between the two of them when they're going to get separated for this zombie fucking apocalypse and he's going to be the one that she wants to go back to because that's the only family that she really has left and then she's going to realize that, oh, you know what, father was right or father is the... Uh, you know, not necessarily father was right, but it's more like, you know, father was only looking out for me. Maybe that's the better way of approaching it instead of, oh, dad's always right with this shit. But it's just like really fucking set up with so many goddamn cliches to start from the beginning. She wants to go off and wander and wants to be in a different place. You know, the love struck fucking best friend guy who's probably been in her life ever since he was a wee tot. The dad who has a dead wife who's overprotective about the the daughter and wants to make sure she has a good life for herself because he's a good fucking father, as you can see from here. And is very upset when he finds out that his little girl is going to run off and try to fuck everything under the sun. And then you have their best friend or the other friend. I wouldn't say best friend. I don't know how to categorize her really. But she's part of the crew, okay? The main crew of characters that are all friends in this high school drama. And she, her parents, and this is Steph, by the way. Her parents are in Mexico, way the fuck away. Did I tell you this thing takes place in Scotland? Because it takes place in Scotland. And her parents decided to go to fucking Mexico instead of stay with her daughter for the fucking Christmas holiday. Or take their fucking daughter with them. And she's busy on the phone and she's talking to who... I presumed in the beginning was a love interest, and I'm going to be honest, I presumed was her boyfriend. Come to find out, it was her girlfriend, and you can kind of, okay, I get it. Anna, with the long hair, she's going to be the straight girl, and because she has more of the boyish, tomboyish look and the boyish haircut, she's going to be gay. Like, it's terrible. Like I said... Everything in the beginning of this fucking movie is just a goddamn cliche, and it really pisses me the fuck off that that's the way they did it. The trailers just seem so smart with the way that the film was being set up. Yes, I expected some of this, like, bullshit type of drama going on, but it was like, oh, this is going to be kind of an irreverent comedy musical, not, oh, let's see fucking teenagers bitch at each other for different things. And she's mad at her girlfriend because she's like, my parents are going to be in Mexico. I thought we could be a couple for the holidays. And then the girl is just like, I guess, hangs up on her or something, says, no, I can't do that. And you don't know if it's because, well, maybe she's, you know not out of the closet yet and doesn't want to spend the time like that or if she just really is not into that relationship and doesn't want to do it where is the girl we never know she's out there somewhere she never makes an appearance you never hear her voice you don't know anything other than she's fucking pissed off but steph here also wants to fucking help the homeless so she's been collecting a bunch of gifts and she was going to take them all and of course you know, John being the lovable loser that he is and knocks all the gifts over and it's ha 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 Oh boy. It's so fucking, fucking terrible. Um, and so, you know, she's going to grab all the gifts, put them in a car. Everybody's going to go to their classes to do whatever they need to do for the day. And that's where we get to meet the soon to be headmaster of the school who goes by Savage. And he is a savage fucking dick. Well, that picture's not straight. Drawing pin missing, bottom left-hand corner. Miss North! Drop the home of the story. It's editorial. You can't do that. It's a school blog, Miss North, not the Times. Council sets our budget, so we play nice. Hopefully get some new computers. With all due respect, Mr. Savage, 
I'm going to go to Mr. Gill. Be my guest. Headmaster Gill is all but gone. Come January, this school is mine. Oh, and as I told you before, park your vehicle on school property and it becomes school property. Give. So we've got B-movie Gary Oldman here being the dick of the fucking movie. He looks like he wanted to be in the fifth element but wasn't good enough to get the chops to play a guy with a receding hairline that talks with dog creatures for some reason. But it's, I know the reasons, don't go fucking tell me what the reason was. But anyway, so he's just obviously our antagonist of the movie. Like, when the zombie outbreak is going to happen, he's going to be involved in some shit that's going to make everything even fucking shittier. Uh, It's so ridiculous. Like I said, everything in the beginning of this movie is so goddamn telegraphed, but then I have to think to myself, it's because it's a fucking musical, right? That's the way it's working. They're working on that angle, and because they're trying to portray it as some weird, like, high school drama. The, there is the one good dad, you know, that is everybody's friend, and he's harsh, but everybody fucking loves him because he's just such a good guy, and that's just the way that he is. And then you have, you know, the, you know, badass principal guy here that just wants everybody to do exactly what he needs them to do. He's a control fucking freak. He thinks all the kids are just fucking lecherous assholes and wants to have fucking order in his fucking school and that's the way it's going to be. And that's what everybody is going against, right? They don't want to believe in authority. They just want to go their own way. And in fact, this leads into the very first song of the film. Um, I don't know what the song is necessarily called, but I call it the Breakaway Song. If I really was smart, I would have looked up every fucking like title of the songs, but I'm just going to go with what I believe they were called. And I believe this song is actually called Breakaway, and I think that's actually the title. And you'll get the gist, and we'll come back and we'll talk after this little bit of uh, magic. Instead of fighting, I've been hiding away I've been running, going nowhere Put my heart on the shelf And I don't want to live that way Okay, so... First things first, they can fucking harmonize. That is fucking amazing. I really love everybody's fucking voice except for one character, which we'll get to. Who I don't even know why he has to have a fucking song, and I guess you can guess already who I'm talking about. But, (laughs) well, there's actually two. Two that, the other guy, he's okay. It's not the best in the world. But these three, 
together sound fucking beautiful. And the thing is, is that, yeah, it's fucking catchy as all shit. Especially when you listen to it and you listen to the second half and the build-up and the crescendos and all, all that fucking bullshit that you have for the fucking song. You know, it, it's... It's very cheesy, and it's very fucking high school musical. That's where I'm putting this, and that's going to be my frame of reference for the way the songs are. They're purposely done this way. I understand why, okay? You're trying to give this type of view that this is a high school drama set during Christmas in a zombie apocalypse where there's all the shit that's going around them, but the whole, you know, troubles of being a teenager and being in high school still follow you everywhere. Even though we're dealing with people dying, they still have their relationships and all this other bullshit, what they want to do. All these characters, they just want to break from their current life because, you know, the Steph here, she wants to write an article on the homeless because she believes, and she's definitely the, you know, more, I don't know, activist in mind type of character that we've got for the movie. And she wants to write something on the homeless to make sure, you know, that people really know what's going on. Because it's a big problem in their city, and everybody just kind of wants to sweep it under the rug. Even though it's a very small town, there's supposedly not a whole lot of people in it, and everybody thinks it's great. But nobody recognizes what's actually going on in that situation of the town. The principal, being the dick that he is, doesn't want to write about it because... You know, they're not going to get the funds that they need if they do it. So she wants to be something bigger and show something more. And so that's why she's singing in this part of the song about wanting to break away from the norm. You know, Anna, she just doesn't want to be in this small podunk town anymore. She wants to become somebody's uh, cum bucket over there in Australia. She wants to get away and she wants to leave this place and experience the world for what it is. And then John, he is so fucking in love with Anna that he just thinks about her for a second. His dick gets fucking hard and he can't stop it. So he's got to tell her that he loves her and he needs to stop fucking fooling himself. And hopefully that she loves him back. So he needs to break away from being in the fucking friend zone. But it's probably never going to fucking happen the way that this movie is going to go. And so, well, who knows? Maybe it's not going to surprise me. And really, he is going to become the love of her life through the trials and tribulations of fighting zombies. Or it could be something totally different and actually break that fucking mold. Part of me, while I'm watching the beginning of this, really hopes that it does. Like, I want this to be different from that high school drama. It would be cool if you're setting it up to be a typical high school drama in a zombie apocalypse during Christmas type of story by doing something totally different and unexpected. Who knows, maybe they're going to do it, maybe they're not going to do it. If you've seen it before, you might know that outcome, but let's not try to give that away right now if something is going to change. So that's why they're all kind of singing the song. And you also get introduced to Chris at the like break point of the song, and he's the boyfriend of uh, Lisa, and they keep calling everybody different names in this film, too. Sometimes they refer to them by their last name. Sometimes it's the first name. But the main characters are always talking to each other. Well, sometimes Steph is called North because her last name is North. So, you know, he is being told, you know, that his reel is not real enough. You know, he's got his, like, cinema reel. And his stuff is all filled with, like, zombies and whatever. And she's just like, it's not human enough. What do you think it needs? And he's like, more robots? Like, she wants him to do the teacher, wants him to do real life. And I'm like, dude, horror and gore, it, it, while it may not be real life, some people just have an attachment to that. 
That's the way that they want to do. And that's the type of films that they want to do later in life. Just because they're not your fucking bag, lady, it doesn't mean that they're going to be his bag. Like, he's not going to want to do that. You know, it's there's a lot of really cool people that have done other things that have such a big horror background that it's fucking amazing. And it's wonderful when you watch their stuff. Even the stuff that is not horror, because there is those tinges in it, even though you may feel, you know, fear or laughter or, you know, sad, whatever it is, there is such a craft behind it. Like, horror is such a neat genre because it can explore so many different things without having to be just one thing. It's not all about the blood and guts. It's really about what it does to the emotional side of you, but I need to digress from that type of point. It's just shitty that she's fucking, like, tearing down his dreams, but it's great because Chris is there, and he's just like, oh, whatever. Like, he just has this stupid fucking expression on his face, and it's on there the entire fucking movie, too. It's really annoying in some parts, and other parts, I'm like, wow, it really fits. But, and honestly, I think I really like Chris, and I think Chris has the greatest arc in this whole movie of everything that goes on. I think that the the two arcs that are the best are honestly Steph and Chris because of the way that she is, how bitter she is about Christmas right now, and the fact that her parents are gone, that her girlfriend doesn't want to spend time with her, that the principal, soon-to-be principal of this school, or headmaster, or whatever they want to fucking call it, you know, is on her fucking ass about doing something that she cares so much about that how she changes towards the end of the film is actually really cool. So at the end of the cheesy fucking song about them finding themselves and wanting to do something more with their life outside of what little, like, square that they put themselves in, we see Anna shows up into the, like, gymnasium, where later that night they're going to have that play that her father was talking about, but she's not going to be able to attend because... You know, she's got to be working that whole knife to pay out that fucking ticket. So what we get here is an introduction into Lisa. We see her for the first time, who has a beautiful fucking dress. Uh, and we also get more of the principal, who, you know, again, is just a fucking dick. Ada! Hey, Lisa. <laughs> what do you think? It's like Narnia threw up overalls. I know! Hold still. Four more cast members called off sick, so we're going to have to change the running order, I'm afraid. Please try to remember that a hand sanitizer is your friend. Kissing on the mouth is not your friend. You two, why aren't you up on stage? I'm not in the show. Ah, Miss Shepherd. Your father is doing my lights. When he is finished cleaning the toilets, would you send him my way, please? That's not his job. Anna. It will be soon. Now, where is my magician? Here, sir. <laughs> I think it's about time we had a little chat about health and safety. So, yeah, he's a big dick because he sees himself to something really fucking big. And her father, I guess, is either the, like, 
He's not the janitor of the school. He's more like the handyman of the school, I guess, the way that you can see it. You know, he does clean up after things, but he seems like he does a little bit more. But we don't really get a whole lot of information of exactly what he does around the school. We just have to take, you know, Savage Dick over here for his fucking word. So he just wants to have that power over him still where he's like, oh yeah, he's going to be doing my lights. And when he's talking about lights, at first I thought it was like, oh, the lights at his house, like he's going to go over there and he's going to fucking put the lights on your house because you haven't done it and Christmas is only in a couple days. Are you that big of a fucking asshole that you're going to have him there? No, he means lights on the fucking stage. Like, it took me that long to figure that fucking out and I feel like a fucking idiot. I feel just like Savage Dick over here, you know. And then you see something come from the top of the stage. Like, you see a mime or one of the other people in the back. They drop, like, this giant star, which swings out. And that's kind of what you hear in the end of that clip. And it almost hits him because he gets out of the way. And automatically, I'm like, that's a fucking portent for his death at some point in this movie. It's going to have something to do with him dying. Either it's going to fall on him or it's going to knock him. It's going to do something. So... I'm just waiting for that something to happen. So all of them get together after this whole little interaction in between Anna and the dick and <laughs> Lisa as well. And they all meet back in the cafeteria where we get to learn a little more of what's going on that night. And also we have uh, Steph here. She asks Chris if he can do her big favor because she's trying to circumvent the whole thing of writing on the blog. Basically, this is just kind of a lead up for the next song. Savage is losing it. He made Henry Lee cry because he can't break dance. Henry Lee has a prosthetic. And he only has one leg. Hey, guys. Yay, boyfriend. (laughs) Ignore him. He's such a prick. I mean, yeah, he's got a body you could, like, chocolate off, but you'd have to have, like, no self-respect to even think. I mean, um, not you, obviously. The others. Not that there's been loads, you know, it's probably all just rumours anyway. I mean, love me! <laughs> hey, guys. Chris, uh, I need you to film something. Yeah? Cool, I'll film anything. Savage keeps screwing with the blog, so um, I want to bypass the school completely and do a video. <laughs> if, if we go to the soup kitchen tonight, I can have it in before Christmas and actually show people we have a problem. No, it's the Christmas show tonight. And I'm doing a special song about Santa. Our teacher said you need something real. Um, th- this is real. I promise I'll make it back for your song. I'm going to be there. She's really excited to see you, Lise. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Hey, yeah. Uh, um, let's see that asshole try and stop this one. Okay, so there are a lot of things going on in this part of the film. And there's a little bit before that I omitted that I'm going to get back into, and I wanted to play the clip before I talked about it. First is this guy, Nick. Okay, before this happens, there's a couple little things. One, there's something with penguins, and the penguins will come back later on. Um, yeah, it's one of those scenes, uh, and with, oh God, um, I'm just thinking about it again, and I know that I'm going to play the clip, and it's going to be so fucking ridiculous, but nonetheless, so 
you see them and the everybody kind of looks in disgust and then you see her like you hear like zombie noises but somebody using an inhaler behind them and i actually think that was a relatively smart scene that they had going on there because you're like oh my god it's starting already and then no it's just some fucking girl like barely able to breathe and having to use her inhaler um so you meet nick right after that who I guess they have something going on that you didn't really know about. You kind of get a feeling that either they're into each other um, and or that something happened between them, but you don't really know what it is. But it's something that's going to come out later on in the film. And she's over there. She's sitting. She's pining for him and looking at him like, man, he's a dick. But, oh, there's something else. Like, she's really hot into him. And when I mean she, I mean Anna, of course. And when John comes over the table, that's like, oh, don't even fucking worry about them. You have the really terrible but kind of funny joke that's there where it's like, yeah, he wants him to break dance. Well, he has a prosthetic. Yeah, and he only has one leg. It's kind of show that, you know, Lisa's a little bit of an airhead, but she has an obvious love for fucking Chris. Like, he is the luckiest guy in the world, because honestly, she's rather cute uh, in that kind of like girl next door kind of a way, but she has a really bubbly attitude at the same time, and she has something special that she wants him to see, but, you know, Steph, she really wants to make sure that... You know, she gets what she wants. And the best way to do it is to use Chris, to get Chris what he needs for the teacher so that I guess he can pass that class. At the same time, it allows her to create something that the whole school is going to see or is going to be out there about the plight of the homeless in the town that they live in. So it's a win-win for both of them. And of course, you know that he's not going to be able to make the fucking thing at the end of it. But it's still kind of cool to see the relationship that he and Lisa have. And like I said, I think Chris grows the most in this movie. Especially since, you know, you know that he's going to be separated from, you know, her because of just the trailer, right? It's one of those things where you see stuff in the trailer and just kind of like, oh, as you're setting stuff up, you remember things in it. It's not like the trailer gives away a lot and it's hard to give away a lot when it's like a musical like this because it's not really about the story. It's about the music and the numbers, right? That's the way that everything works. So all of them are pining for something different. She, you know, wants something to do with the guy or wants to get him out of her mind. John wants fucking Anna. Chris and fucking Lisa. Well, Lisa just wants to have that happy life with him at the end of it. And Steph, she wants to make sure that she gets her fucking activist stuff out because that's what's most important to her. And that's where we get the next song, which actually is entitled Hollywood Ending. And um, I'm only giving you what John sings in the chorus, but it's a little bit of everybody. And we'll talk a little more about it when we come back from the song. What was I thinking? This is Ne Disney. I'm way off script and losing the plot. Things don't work out that way. I'm not McConaughey turning the charm on calling the shots. If this was a movie, maybe she would be willing to share my world. I'm starting to realize sometimes the nice guys don't always get the Okay, 
Okay, so there's one thing that happens that is really fucking funny during this. And you see that all of, like, Nick and his friends, which look like all of, like, the jock people or, like, the bullies or, like, the idiots of the school, they're all hanging around. One gets up because it's slowly but surely. It's just like every fucking musical that's out there that is this fucking type of movie or this type of fucking musical where (laughs) they all just slowly like get into the song so when you hear in the beginning the hollywood ending that they're singing it's multiple people like starting to sing the different parts of at least the hollywood ending part before he gets up and then everybody gets up and they're starting dancing and they're hitting the tables and they're doing all that shit and then one of the guys that's at the table of nick and his friends starts to get up and try to join and he's like sit the fuck right back down don't fucking go over there you sit fucking down (laughs) he sits down and i still fucking laugh at that because i think that that's actually really fucking smart now the song itself is fucking cheesy like the way everything is done especially when they start dancing and they start like whipping their heads around and they're doing all these fucking stupid choreographer of like things it's just ridiculous this happens constantly with everybody and it happens a couple times with anna too where she dances and she's just throwing her head around and i'm like what the fuck are you doing like why would you do that who the fuck would be doing that and just a random fucking dance or if this is supposed to be like real world or real life things you know of course it can't be because they're breaking the fucking song during this whole little section but it's just so cheesy. I like the pounding of the tables. I think that adds a lot to the musical number. And I'm getting really energetic with my hands that you can't fucking see over here. But that's just the way that I fucking talk sometimes. But it's just, it's so ridiculous to see the way they do this stuff. And the song itself, the lyrics behind the song, I like. I just hate how fucking cheesy it is. Like, I know what they're going for. And if that's exactly what they were just trying to do, they're just... We need to make it fucking cheesy. Cheesier. Fucking cheesier. Do something. They need to whip their fucking hair back and forth. That's what they need to fucking do. It's fucking cheesy as shit. Especially when you saw Will Smith's daughter fucking do it. And she made a whole fucking song about that. That's what the kids need to see nowadays. But this isn't a fucking kids movie. So it's kind of weird that they would like do these things. But the song itself, like I said... It's very smart, like, the way they talk about it. Like, this isn't dizzy. Not everything ends on a fucking Hollywood ending. Like, they're realizing that what they want is possibly not going to happen. And the only ones that do wish for that, or the only one, I should say, is fucking Lisa. They get the last verse of the whole thing. And I kind of wish that I would have taken that and played that for you guys. But at the same time, I just don't want to play the whole fucking song. But they actually sing it. She's like, I'm going to get what I want because I've got my man. I know exactly what I want. I want to have a family. I want it. This guy is it. He is the one. She is so fucking lovelorn. She wants her fucking Hollywood ending. And she's going to get it no matter what. While everybody else is singing about how they're not going to get that. Because that's not the way life is. And she's the only one that believes the way life goes like that. Because she's so fucking in love with Chris. And I think that's a great fucking juxtaposition between the different characters. Because they all have stupid fucking problems. And even though she may have stupid fucking problems, she's so fucking high in the clouds that this is the way that she thinks everything is going to go for her. And she's going to get the ending exactly how she wants it. Which, again, is just another little bit of foreshadowing of what could possibly happen towards the end of the movie. So... Everybody's happy. We've all sang our song and everybody's going to, you know, kind of move on from the situation that they're in. 
we cut to a little bit outside and we see our first zombie in the film for the very first time. He's just kind of like walking along and he looks like he's walking towards the school. And then we cut over and we see that it's nighttime now. You know, the play is about to go on and we cut over to the bowling alley and we see that John and Anna are working for the night and the place is basically empty. And she's a little upset still that she has to be there and she has to work, even though it's basically just to pay off the ticket for her to go wherever the fuck she's planning on going, which is Australia, because we found that out when we saw inside of her locker that she actually has that map and everything planned out, all the places she's going to hit where all the guys are going to be. And so seeing that she's so upset, John decides to try to cheer her up a little bit with a little of his legendary Christmas cheer. You smell like a shoe. Christmas is fast becoming my least favorite C word. You would be saying that if you were dressed like a festive legend. You're right. Dressed like that, you look like a massive C word. I love the fact that the bowling ball hits and everybody cheers right after she says that because it's like she's they're cheering for her. And the joke is actually relatively pretty good. Basically calling the see you next Tuesday, right? But it's that fucking sweater he has. He turns on the lights and it's like all blinking everywhere. And he's constantly wearing that fucking sweater too. This is another one of those things where everybody's wearing the same exact thing except for fucking Lisa. She's the only one that's dressed differently. But the only ones that really get to change any clothes at any time are our two leads here, John and Anna. Uh, and they choose to wear the same shit the entire movie. So it's, I, I guess she's dressing for school and I guess maybe he is too. But would you wear the same sweater two days in a row? I think that's some type of like fashion faux pas. So from here, they're stuck, you know, and they're basically going to be spending the night in the bowling alley. But we got to go over and we have to see what's going on in the Christmas show. And uh, we see that Savage and her dad are now up in the booth. They're getting ready. Like he's controlling the show and he's doing the sound up there. And her dad's kind of helping out, you know, the dick over here. And... <laughs> You get one of the worst things in this fucking movie. Uh, oh my god. Okay, I'm just going to play it for you. And uh, you listen to their reaction as well, because it was my fucking reaction as I watched this shit. My favorite dish is fish, mother flipper, and I eat it for the hell of it. A nice bit of halibut. That's not the only fish they got. Mackerel. Mackerel. I could take more than a snack bowl. Salmon with some jam, and I could drink it by the tap bowl. Four weeks of lunchtime rehearsals. At least they're trying. Barry. Your fish is delicious. There's plenty of fish in the sea, baby. But there's not enough fish for me. Anyway, it's, it's nice here to help him out like this, Arthur. We can't trust him to do anything by themselves, Danny. So that fish wrap is fucking terrible. Oh, God. Like, oh, I I really don't know what it's meant to do. Like, there's plenty of fish in the sea, baby. Yeah, there's enough fish for me. 
I don't know if there's a double entendre there, unlike the next song that we're going to listen to, but it's just, it's so terrible. And even them, they're just like, oh, God, they barely got the choreography. They barely got a fucking song. They're not even the ones fucking singing it. They're just, somebody made that fish fucking song for them to fucking dance to in this world. Like, no wonder the zombies are going to come fucking tear everybody apart because they made a fucking penguin fish fucking song, which they're, like, dancing. They got, like, hoops and shit in there, so they're moving the bodies around. It's obvious one's a lot bigger for the costume that she's in than the other person is. And uh, it's it's just terrible. I mean, it's meant to be played out for a laugh, and yeah, it does get a little bit of a laugh, but it's just, like, it's groan-inducing. And even at the end of it, the audience is exactly mine. I'm like, uh, was I supposed to fucking laugh at this? Like, what was supposed to go on? Is it just meant to be that fucking awkward? Because if that's what it was, you guys fucking won. You guys got exactly what you wanted out of this little part of the film. You got some fucking, like, okay, what the fuck am I watching? You're watching a fucking fish fucking rap. Oh, boy. So, of course, you know, you still have Savage Dick up there, and he's talking about, you know, that the kids, they can't be trusted to do anything on their own, which, honestly, we're going to find out is pretty untrue, because, of course, the kids are going to be left alone to fight off against the zombies, and they're going to have to get back to the fucking school, and we're going to find out that they're able to fucking survive and keep themselves alive, unlike some of the other people there, which think that they know better. So, we come up to our next song of the film... And this is the Santa song that Lisa is going to sing for Chris. And of course, Chris isn't going to be in the audience. And, um, man, if you want to talk about double entendres with the song, um, let's talk about double entendres after the fucking song. The snow is falling on the frosty ground. Christmas cheer is spreading all around It's that time of year But I'm feeling so blue There's a lack of presents in my stocking And my chimney needs a good unblocking Come on, Santa dear <laughs> Okay, so she's talking about his dick. Like, the whole thing is just about fucking him. That's it. And there's such the reaction from the audience. I love the way this song fucking goes. And it's not just because of the song. It's because of the reaction from the audience is so fucking priceless. You have her basically singing about she's got a fucking empty, dusty fucking vagina that she needs to have plugged up with a nice big dick. Like... And she keeps going with this whole thing, sitting on his lap and rubbing it around. And she's looking out there, and Grandma is just smiling like, Yeah, this is the best fucking song ever. You're talking about fucking my grandson. I fucking love it. And then 
there are these guys that come out wearing like suspenders and no shirt and these candy canes and they're doing all these provocative like humps up in the air with a candy cane and then there's a mom in the audience she's hiding her daughter's eyes but her daughter moves the hand away it's pretty fucking priceless like it's worth it just to see this song just to get the audience reaction for everything that's going on. And the song is relatively well written. Uh, I really like the way that she sings. She has a wonderful voice. It has this Santa Baby type of vibe to it. And I think maybe that's what they were going for. And really the melody makes me feel like it's fucking, it should just be Santa Baby. Like that's what I thought was going to come out when it was starting. I'm like, oh, she's singing a Santa song. So she's going to sing Santa Baby. And she's going to be really provocative with it. That's what I thought it was was going to be and then it turned out to be that which i'm glad because santa baby kind of fucking annoys me um it's just one of those christmas songs that i don't know why people love so much but it's just it's absolutely fantastic what this film did with this little section and you really do see her heartbreak because you know she doesn't see Chris out there in the audience. And of course, Arthur is just fucking pissed off because he ain't going to be getting any fucking teenager pussy. And so he needs to get away from the booth because he didn't approve of this. And I don't understand like how he didn't fucking approve of this because he's so in fucking control of everything. Like he didn't know about the song. Oh, she's going to sing a Santa song. Everything's going to be fucking fine. Like really? You didn't go over the lyrics of the fucking song, and now here you are fucking surprised, and you're calling it pornographic and fucking slutty, which I'm not denying it's fucking pornographic and slutty in some, you know, weird way that you've got going on there. Um, but you should have approved it, right? Like, you went, oh yeah, this is perfectly fine. You approved the fucking fish rap song, and you were pissed off about the fish rap song, but I bet that you're the one that fucking recorded that shit, and you were like, yeah, everybody's gonna love my fucking fish song, talking about how it's okay, and there's more fish in the sea, it's gonna be fucking great, everybody's gonna love it. Oh no, they ruined it because they can't fucking dance. Like, no, the fish song ruined the fucking fish performance and the penguin performance, okay? It wasn't the fucking penguins. They were actually fucking funny. But that song was a piece of shit. Whereas with this one, like, you didn't do anything to stop it. You allowed this to happen because it brought a little fucking tingle to your dingle because maybe you thought she was actually talking about you when she's talking about one of the people that she loves so fucking much. Her fucking boyfriend who's supposed to be there in the audience, but is instead out there with fucking Steph filming a fucking snuff, not snuff, fluff piece. (laughs) It would be funny if she was out there filming a fucking snuff piece for him like we're gonna go out there and kill fucking homeless not fucking save them and show them what the fuck is going on no she's filming a fucking fluff piece out there to make everybody see what actually is going on with the homeless community in their town but he wasn't able to show up so he runs downstairs all fucking huffy and then he hears somebody against an exit and they're basically pounding on the door and pounding on the door and he's like, what the fuck could it be? And eventually it stops. He opens and there's nobody fucking there. We then cut back and we see that Anna and John, they're cleaning up after a little bit after the you know last bowling party has left. They're fucking drunk off their ass. They're having a bachelor party in the fucking bowling alley on fucking Christmas Eve. I don't know why you would fucking do that. That seems like a waste of time, but that's just fucking me. I mean, there's 
there's bound to be something more fun there. I guess maybe it's small enough there isn't a strip club, but there probably is some type of like underground stripper association that's probably going on there where they could have had a really good time. And maybe that's where they're going now. I don't fucking know. But they go outside and they go to leave. They lock up. And then there's some shoes on the ground that the cleaning person doesn't want to fucking get. So, of course, she uses her broom, Anna, and knocks one into the garbage can. John thinks that she, he's going to be fucking cool and toss one in. But instead of throwing it and it going right into the garbage can, it hits the poor cleaning lady in the back of the head and knocks her the fuck out. So they decide to bounce because that's the way that they need to do it, even though he talks about losing his job. And then they have a nice little heartfelt moment outside where she reflects back on her mom, and there's a joke about the reindeer that I actually kind of like as well. <laughs> oh. When I was little, me and Dad used to have competitions, see who could make the best one. Mum would judge. We stopped doing it after she died. What if Dad's right and I'm just screwing everything up? Look, you're going to end up going to uni, getting some fancy job and having a stupidly successful life. doesn't matter how you do it. Besides, I'll come and visit you. We can hike across the outback. <laughs> That's a pretty long hike. <laughs> well, I'll start running to school. Get fit. Deal? Deal. Dasher, dancer, mm -hmm. bashful. <laughs> That's a dwarf. There's Olive. You know, it's in the song. Olive, the other reindeer. <laughs> you still have to call him names. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Olive was a dick. Okay, John, you're actually kind of funny and lovable in that weird fucking awkward nerdy type of way. I wish you'd be my boy. I mean, um, but he's he's actually a really good guy. And I know that they're painting this way and there's something that possibly could happen to him tragically later on in the film. And, and part of me hopes that it doesn't because he's. Again, he's not a bad character. He's just not my favorite character in this film. And his arc isn't the best arc in the world. But it sucks because you can tell that he really does care for her. Even if it's in a friendship type of way. Like, he really cares about her feelings. He's there for her. He feels this connection to her. And she's just kind of... And she bears herself out. But this is also fucking high school love, right? This is what happens with a lot of people. And a lot of men especially. Where they just kind of get attached in one way or another. And they just get so like, this is the one that they can't fucking let it go. And realize that there's a possibility that nothing is going to really happen between you and that person. And it really kind of fucking sucks to see. But it's a good, sweet little scene that they've gotten going on here. And it fades out into the next day. Because they're going to be getting up and they're going to be ready to go to school and start a whole brand new day. And that's where we get the next song in the film where the apocalypse has happened. But of course, they're fucking oblivious to everything going around them.
It's hard. I've been listening to these songs over and over again just because of doing this podcast and getting everything ready, and it's so fucking catchy. Like, that song, too, it's one of those songs where it's like, I want to hate it, but I can't quite hate it just because the melody and everything gets you dancing, gets going, and I know that I want to play the whole thing for everybody, but I can't because I don't want to, like, make this the three-hour fucking podcast because I'm playing ten-minute songs in between each of the fucking little clips and me talking and doing all this shit, but it really is something like that is a singable song right fucking there. Just the way that it goes. And even John comes in, John starts talking about his day, and it's funny, too, because... Everything is just going crazy and chaotic around her, but you have this such a happy, poppy, singable fucking song, and there's people dying in the background. People are getting, like, zombies, their heads are getting bashed in. People are getting ripped apart. They're being thrown on the ground. There's fire in the air. Like, how does she fucking ignore everything? Yeah, she puts her fucking headphones on, you know, that's playing the music that she's fucking singing along to. And she puts her hoodie up so that her peripheral vision is fucking, like, blocked. And believe me, that's the fourth fucking time that I've had to say peripheral and that one's fucking staying in. But it's so ridiculous, like, that she doesn't notice shit. You would be able, even with headphones, unless they were the best noise-canceling headphones that God has ever created himself, that they have the big fucking G symbol on the side, and the moment that you put it in, you can't hear shit. Shit about shit out there. There is no fucking way that you wouldn't hear the cars crashing, the people screaming, the zombies, the people falling and jumping out of windows, the babies crying that are turning into fucking zombies. Like, all this shit that is happening around you. And it all happens behind her because the camera is focused on her directly. And she's walking towards the camera. So you have this situation where you can't even fucking, like... She can't see shit because everything is happening behind her. Everything is in a response from her walking forward. It's like all the zombies decided that they were just going to wait to fucking kill somebody until she passed them because they don't want to be seen. They're fucking solid snake back here and they're hiding underneath their fucking box and her little fucking exclamation mark hasn't popped up on top of her head so that way that she knows that there's something fucked up going on behind her. You know, I can understand it with John because he leads from his backyard and he's already out where there's nothing nothing is going on he's running along a lake they're gonna go meet in a cemetery for some fucking reason before they walk to school like everything is perfect for him he doesn't know this shit is happening but for her everything in her fucking neighborhood is a fucking mess it is just like fucking chaos even when she walks out the door she's not looking like she looks in the sky and you would see the fucking smoke you would see all that fucking shit and be like what the fuck is going on there's no way that you would just be able to leave the fucking house and not see anything but 
you have to suspend your belief a little bit. And I just cannot. I cannot do it in this scene. It just drives me fucking nuts. Do I enjoy the way the scene goes? Yes. Do I enjoy the music for this portion of it? Yes, pretty much. You know, everything works, but it's so hard to be like, how would you not know? How could you not see this shit going on? So they, you know, meet up in the cemetery where they finish the song with some ridiculously fucking stupid dances. Again, she's doing the thing with her hair again, just like throwing it around and dancing really low. And like some of it's kind of cute, kind of funny, kind of silly, like how they're interacting with each other with these dances, even though they're both singing and not really paying attention to their like surroundings they've got going on. And then the moment the singing stops, that's when a zombie snowman pops up and you see him in the trailer for a second and he falls flat and they're like, oh, hey, are you okay? You know, are you, you know, I'm a fucking medic or whatever helper or whatever she calls herself. And she goes to help him. And that's when he lifts his head up and then he's a fucking zombie and he goes after them and they go into the nearby park and they, you know, try to distract him. And, <laughs> That's when she gets him to get him close to this, like, seesaw that's over there, takes it and pops the zombie's fucking head off, and blood just, like a fucking fountain, spews everywhere in the air, all over fucking John, and then he screams out loud, and we cut over to the next scene where she just cannot believe that zombies fucking exist, though there is a zombie right the fuck over there. signal. Anna. That guy's a zombie. There's no such thing. Oh, right, because that's perfectly normal. I can't believe this is happening. It's gonna be happening. Use your inhaler. When was the last time you saw me with an inhaler? Don't have a go at me just because I said use your because inhaler. Because there's zombies. That's stupid. I never saw my mum this morning. Did you see your dad? Should have just gone to the show. I bet they're still at the school. Shit. Maybe the internet's still working. But we can't go all the way home. Do you still have your work keys? Seriously, though, like, she can't believe that zombies are real. You have one right there. You popped off his head, and they even do it in the clip where he he's like, like, come on, <laughs> look at this. And he, the head is still trying to go after them. And she doesn't believe in fucking zombies. Like, no way. I understand there's, like, the shock and the adrenaline of everything and just like, nope, there's no possible way. This cannot be real. But you have to admit, there is something right fucking there on the ground that's trying to eat your fucking brain after you've taken its head clear off. And the only way that you can stop a zombie is by destroying the fucking brain. And I guess in this world, the body doesn't stop working once the head has been decapitated from it. So the body's not running after them. But I'm pretty sure that thing's going to be able to gum them to fucking death or at least fucking you know i was about to say impregnant with the zombie virus but i guess maybe that's one way to think about it 
<laughs> so from here we cut back over to the school and we see that Savage, he's really trying to like run the whole thing. Like everybody's kind of panicking and he's trying to do the right thing. Basically say, hey, look here, I've got this all set up. Everybody be okay. The army is going to come and they're going to make sure that everybody's okay. And if anybody needs anything, there's a room right over here. But just follow my rules. That's enough. Now, even though we have to spend the night in the school, be assured, the government will sort all this out. We have an army base literally on our doorstep. All that is required of us is that we remain calm and patient. If anyone has any further questions, I've set up temporary office space over there adjacent to the fridge. I'll get someone. Doctors can't fix it, dear. Don't think your teachers can do much. I'm just worried about Christopher. He's seen like every horror movie. He'll know what to do. We see here that there is something that's definitely wrong with Chris's grandmother, but we don't know exactly what it is. And everybody's a little bit upset because they want to figure out what exactly is going on. And they probably also want to be with their kids if their kids aren't actually there in the school. Because shit has gone down. They don't know what it is. And, you know... What can they do? They can't just follow a fucking plan. They have to be able to do something about it. Luckily, the army is nearby, so the army is going to try to take care of the zombies that are out there. But who knows? Maybe that won't work. Maybe it will work. But will we ever see if they actually do come in and do anything or actually come to save the day? Uh, that's something we're going to have to figure out as the movie goes along. So we go back over to Anna and John, who now have arrived at the bowling alley. Using John's keys, they're able to get inside, and they run into a couple familiar faces inside the bowling alley. Go. See? I told you it was them. Luke, have you been bitten? Show me. They're fine. Hey, guys. Did you guys break in? Uh, the back door was unlocked. That's the cleaner's job. Although she might have been concussed. So uh, we were out filming the soup kitchen last night. It was really good, and then we. And then somebody screamed. Yeah. Hey, zombies, right? I know. Excuse Anna. She's in Egypt at the moment. Because she's so far in denial. (laughs) You're not funny. Uh, You guys heard anything? Further updates now on the unfolding global crisis. Reports of mass infection with the as yet unidentified virus continue to come in from across the world. Sources at the UK. Whatever. Big Pharma's been doing weird shit for years. It's a cover up. Further information and details of the evacuation program can be found on social media. Yeah, once it's safe, we're supposed to go to the school. So the school's okay? Yeah. And the army's going to escort us out? How cool would that be? Shit. What? Justin Bieber's a zombie. (laughs) Also, search hashtag evac selfie. Oh, no. Well, we all deserve to go extinct. 
Okay, it's quite ridiculous when you see all the pictures of everybody taking selfies with the zombie because they think that they're safe. And hey, look, and that's kind of a play on the current social media background. Of course, I think that people would actually start doing that shit too. Like, look, zombie guys, and then snap, snap, snap. Oh yeah, and then they get fucking bit and they're zombie fucking staying on their phones the whole fucking time and forgetting to eat brains and they just fucking die because that's just the way that society's going to go, right? So... There's a lot of little things here. How do you not believe that they're not zombies when they're able to unlock the front door and come in? They just walk in the place. Like, I can understand being, like, defensive because somebody's going to break in there. They're trying to either loot or they're trying to, like, find other survivors or whatever it is. But you should kind of be aware if somebody comes in with keys that maybe it's somebody that you know, too, that there's no way that they could actually be a fucking zombie. And at least Chris has a good, like, head on his shoulders. But at the same time, I understand Steph's wariness about the whole thing because that's kind of the way her character is, right? So they're there now inside of the bowling alley and they have internet for some reason. Like that's still working perfectly fine. I guess it could be if, uh, you know, everything was still powered up and the net's not going to go down right away. But cell towers, wouldn't they still be up if you had power as well? Like you'd be able to still be able to make a call or something. But I do like that it's a way that they solve that issue with nowadays horror where, you know, the cell service somehow or something has to happen to the cell phones because a lot of these cases, they would just be able to call somebody to find out, hey, you're okay, where this way they cannot. Um, but it's weird, too, at the same time, because Chris is able to look up the fact that Justin Bieber has been turned into a zombie, you know, but not be able to call anybody. So they have Internet on their cell service, but they don't have actually cell service. Doesn't make much sense to me, but that's the way the movie's going to do it. We also see that Chris here, he's going to hit John with the hard-hitting fucking questions of, you know, what to do or what exactly is happening with the outside world and what the other zombies could possibly be or maybe who has turned into a zombie. Bollocks, he's definitely a zombie. Robert Downey Jr. has like a bazillion dollars. He is in a hot tub right now surrounded by electric fences and models yeah but just takes one personal trainer with a bike and then Uh iron man lives what about ryan gosling doesn't matter alive dead guy's still cool um taylor swift jesus chris why would you even say that Tay-Tay's fine. Yeah, all right. She's fine. Okay, so yeah, these are really the hard-hitting questions that we've got here. Who or what may have already been turned into a zombie? I'm pretty sure that they're all in the right thought that anybody that is basically famous probably has something already set up to protect them for the whole thing. I mean, if they just paid attention to the beginning of the fucking movie when the fucking announcement came out that there was something like the flu that was going around infecting people and was possibly raising the fucking dead that maybe they could have protected themselves too, probably not as good as some of the famous people like RDJ is probably going to be okay and Tay-Tay is going to be okay because, you know what, fuck her. She doesn't need to be okay. She can be a fucking zombie for all I care. 
Why the hell do you care if she's going to be a fucking zombie or not? In fact, why do you care if any of these people are going to be zombies or not? They're probably all going to be zombies because they're not going to fucking care about anything. They're going to think that everything's okay. They're probably not going to be paying attention as much. Well, maybe except for RDJ. I think he's the only one that's not going to be the fucking zombie. But of anybody else, if Justin Bieber turned into a fucking zombie, then they're going to turn into fucking zombies. That's the way I kind of see it in the way that everything's going on in this universe. So... After we figure out exactly who we want to become zombies and who we don't want to become zombies, we go back over into the school and we see that, you know, Chris's grandmother, B, she's not doing very well. And in fact, she, her heart condition is getting much, much worse. And we see how much of a savage dick, savage dick really is. Mr. Savage, is, is there anything we can give B? Am I supposed to know who that is? It's just because she's got a bad heart, so... Look around you, Miss Snow. What do you see? Um... Tables? I see civilization on the edge. And what does civilization do when it finds itself on the edge? We help each other? Okay, listen here, you little fucking dick. Like, that's not the fucking response that you really should be putting out. And honestly, it's kind of refreshing in this type of movie for this to happen. You know that he's the bad guy, okay? I'm not saying that that type of thing is, like, refreshing. But the fact that she's just like, she's really fucking hopeful still. And she's like, we all come together in these times? He's like, no, reprioritize. It is fucked up to say something like that but actually the more that i think about it i think in a way that yeah we do kind of prioritize ourselves into what is the most helpful what could be the biggest thing that would be beneficial to us all in this situation is it going to be that we help the sick or is it going to make sure that we all survive and maybe we're not going to be able to help this person but he doesn't have to be a dick about it Though she does have the right thing because everybody should be getting together and fucking helping them. And with that statement, it actually leads into the next song in the film. Staring at a screen in a neon haze. Whoa, lost in this machine. And I can't engage We've become technology Made of code and binary What the hell is left of me? Tell me that it's not too late How much longer must I wait? I want to communicate I need a human So this song itself has a lot of meaning to the film as a whole, because a lot of things have gone on. There's one little section that I forgot to mention when they were basically attacked by all the different zombies still in the bowling alley. Because, like, the cleaning lady comes to life, and she goes after, uh, you know, North and 
uh, Anna in the bathroom and Steph, she's the one that actually kills the zombie and like totally slams her head down with the toilet. Then all of a sudden, all the bachelor party guys butt through the walls and everybody's got to stop them. And it's a relatively fun scene, seeing the kids trying to figure out their way of actually how do they kill the zombies. And there's some great gore effects too, like when the John takes two of the bowling balls and smashes the zombie's head together, and the blood just uh, spouts out everywhere. It's relatively well done. There's even a little section where one of the zombies accidentally grabs, uh, you know, Steph's boobs, and she gets all pissed off and stabs him through the mouth with a uh, uh, spatula. It's relatively well done. Like, the gore stuff in this movie is pretty great, and even all the makeup gore that they have out there is pretty great as well. Uh, so you have that and them just being kind of like lost in this place, even though they're talking about which zombie, you know, or what celebrity would become a zombie, you know, but they still need to have some type of connection, especially all the power goes out on everybody. Now they're just basically left in the dark and they don't have a way to get in contact with anybody. We have Chris's grandmother basically on the verge of death. Because she's got a heart condition and there's nobody there that can help them. We have Savage Dick that doesn't want to help anybody. He just wants to make sure that everybody under his care is alive. But in his way, he doesn't want to lose power and lose control of everything going on. So they just want something that's real. Not being able to, you know, see out into the world and get the information. They just want to have that human connection. And the song, the lyrics of the song are rather beautiful. Uh, and it does say a lot about like technology and those types of things and it seems like it's a little disconnected from the whole zombie stuff but at the same time it's well done and it's kind of you know a a nice reprieve from the other things that are going on in the film and it's the first song that i can kind of connect to that isn't this like teen poppy song which was really weird as i was watching the film because it starts out kind of weird electronic-y and then it just kind of builds up and it's just a good song so it's amazing for what they were able to do with that particular one and the feelings they were able to, you know, get out of everybody. So power goes out. Everybody now is left inside the building at the school and everybody inside the bowling alley. They're all together and they all sleep inside of the the pool with all the balls in it. And so as the day comes uh, and night goes away, they find out that the army actually has been overtaken by the zombies and now they need to get to the school and they've only got one way to get there. There's also another great game that Chris wants to play with Steph and uh, I feel like answering that after the clip. Everyone's dead. People will still be waiting at the school. We just need to get there. There's no evacuation coming. Well, so we'll get your car and leave town. And go where? Well, I don't know yet, but we'll figure something out. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. You can do anything. I'm getting my dad, all right? Yeah, and my gran and Lisa. Look, <laughs> I want to find my mom too, but... How are we going to get past all the zombies? had the best idea ever. This is the stupidest idea ever. We're all going to die. We should play a game. Take your mind off it. 
Helps me when I'm concert. Because this is exactly the same. Steph. Yeah. Um, marry, shag, kill. Zombie Miley, zombie Rihanna, zombie Beyonce. Kill them all, they're zombies. No, play it properly. Mary Beyonce. Why are you killing Rihanna? That's not what I said. Well, obviously you're shagging. Is it a horde? How many is a horde? Just check! I swear to God, if he says it's snowing again. Uh, better kill her old people. Okay, so to answer that question, the shag, Mary kill, or... You know, um, <laughs> fuck Mary Kill as I normally know it as. Uh, you have Zombie Miley, Zombie Beyonce, and Zombie Rihanna. Um, I'd love her response first. No, kill them all. They're all fucking zombies. And in my mind, that's something. Yeah, isn't that the way to do it? Like, I wouldn't want to do anything with any of them. But if you really had to answer the question, uh, I think that I'd probably kill Zombie Miley because she's not my type. Uh, I'd probably just shag Beyonce to get her just out of there. I figure it might be a fun time, but she is a zombie. And then Rihanna would seem like to be the one that maybe, you know, she might outlast the, the zombie virus. So you just go ahead and marry Rihanna. Plus you get to have like her umbrella, Ella, Ella, any time that you need it, whenever it fucking starts to rain. So she's just going to be there to protect you. And who knows, maybe she's going to be one of those like Day of the Dead zombies where they actually have some type of feeling and some type of fucking life to them and want to have a zombie society. So, you know, you get to be with Rihanna for the rest of your life. Doesn't mean that you get to, you know, fuck her. Do you really need to? I don't know. But definitely killing off Miley Cyrus as a zombie would be the best way to go. Uh, Also, their plan isn't that fucking stupid, okay? To put the pool, like, the inflatable pool on the outside and carry it as they walk because... You know, the zombies, maybe they only, when they see humans, that's when they attack, because it seems like that's the way it is. And that if they try to attack the pool, they got to go underneath it. So when one of the zombies, who is like half the man he used to be, uh, he starts crawling over towards them, like he's the only one that attacks, so they bring it down, and he's not necessarily able to get through there. But there is the funny scene where the old lady zombie sits on top of the uh, the pool, and then sits right on top of fucking Steph and then starts peeing on her. And she's like, oh, that's warm. Like, I never thought of that. Like, do zombies still need to use the restroom? Like, is it just a bunch of zombie shit and a zombie piss all over the place? Like, they're drinking the blood, so the blood starts to go out of the system. And they're eating brains, and the brains eventually have to come out the body, right, at some point. This is the only movie that I think I've ever seen that's a zombie movie that deals with zombie excrement. I've never fucking heard of it before, and that's kind of interesting. At the same time, it's really fucking disgusting, and I don't want to fucking think about it. So, they're basically trapped, right? Because the zombies are coming towards them again. They may be able to get underneath there. They got the one, and then, like, they're getting ready to attack, but then you notice the top of it is suddenly, it's like, there's blood splattering everywhere. So, it's obvious that there's somebody out there that's there to help, and who is it? But it's Nick who comes and saves the day. All right, losers. You were going out. Should have brought some muscle. Hi, John. Hi, Nick. Thought your big army dad would have pulled you a favor and shipped you out. Don't talk about my fucking dad. 
Show some fucking respect. Says the guy who just murdered a whole bunch of grandparents. Actually, you get that on camera, it's a, it's a bit of human interest. Oh, you've been looting. Lovely. Where is your dad? Went to the base. Sorry. <laughs> Whatever. So Nick has been roaming this zombie wasteland and basically going around and fucking killing zombies with his crew who has wonderful weapons like a bat, knives, watermelons. Okay, I can kind of see those working. And PS2 controllers? PS2 controllers? How the fuck are you going to kill a zombie with a fucking PS2 controller? What are you going to do? You're going to fuck it wrap around on their neck and just throw them to the ground hoping that it hurts their heads? Come on, you got to have a better weapon than that. You're going to be the first fucking one to die. The knives, I totally get. Stab the fucking brain, kill the fucking zombie. Baseball bat, bash its fucking brains in, kill the fucking zombie. Watermelon, probably a one-use weapon, but if it's heavy enough... Bash his fucking brains in, or if you can get a sharp enough corner on that rind, stab the fucking brains out after you use the watermelon. But a PS2 controller? Now, if you told me an original Xbox controller, you know, the giant fucking one, I would be like, okay, I get you. But that is, that might even be a knockoff fucking PS2 controller. So that's even worse. It's not even the original one. They're not that fucking heavy. It's like me coming, I would even understand an NES controller, to be honest with you, because those things had sharp fucking edges, and when your sister was fucking pissed off because you beat her for the 15th fucking time and threw that thing at your head, it left a mark. I mean, not from experience, but it left a fucking mark on your head. So I can understand taking an old Nintendo controller at those sharp-ass corners, and if you can really swing it, you can fucking tear through somebody. But a PS2 controller? Come on, guy. Get a better fucking weapon. You have a full fucking cart of shit there, and you can't find anything fucking better? In fact, dump that whole fucking thing out and go fucking uh, dead rising on everybody and take that fucking shopping cart and start bashing people in the head with the fucking shopping cart. That would be a better fucking weapon than what you've got right there. I'm pretty sure that you're going to die relatively soon, especially since I don't know what your fucking names are, and I'm only going to find out much later on probably after you fucking died in a scene that's probably coming up in just a little bit so they save them they're gonna walk off and they're like hey we can protect you and they're like uh, and then all of a sudden zombie cheerleaders come around the corner and that's where we get nick's one and only fucking song and thank the fucking lord Ladies, why don't you get behind me? Yeah, groovy. <laughs> Mate, pass me that back. The streets are chaos and the outlook is dire. Time for a hero to step into the fire. The world's a jungle and we're close to extinction. This is my moment and I'll fight with distinction. Rule one, stay focused, keep your concentration Rule two, have fun and use your imagination No time for weakness when the undead awaiting So look it out there and start decapitating When it comes to kill zombies, I'm the top of my class 
okay, he's not terrible, okay? But he needs somebody to fucking harmonize with him. Even if it's him fucking self. Like, I get it. Not everybody has the best sing voice. And I'm not saying that, like, I would do so much better than him. Well, uh, let me show you. No, I'm not going to show anybody any fucking shit. Uh, It's just me being a little hypocritical or maybe just really critical on the guy, but I feel like his arrangement is okay. It's really feels like it's subdued in the background and that he could add some harmonies in there or they could have, that would have made that so much stronger, but they felt like his voice was strong enough to carry it through where the rest of everybody, whenever they harmonize with the other parts of the cast and maybe because he's supposed to be like a lone wolf, he's only by himself. So he only sings by himself. I think I can understand that. That's what they're going for. But it would definitely, I mean, if he harmonized with himself, it would still fulfill that wish if that's what they were going for, for this part of the film, right? But I don't know if they were necessarily going for that. So I guess we're just going to have to take it on face value. And I'm going to assume that's what they were trying to do. But still, you have everybody else. They all harmonize. They sound great. But even when they're by themselves, I feel like their voices can carry it. But he's still not necessarily the worst one in the whole movie. We still have to get to that uh, a little later on. Even when the dad sings during the Human Voices song, uh, or Human Touch song, that, he is really good too. You know, he's more of a tenor, and he's by himself, but he still feels like he fits. So, it's just weird that they would do this for this guy. Other than, you know, hey, it's because he's a loner and he's not going to be singing with anybody. So he saves them all from the zombies and, you know, they decide to carry on and continue towards the school. And when we cut back, we see there's a little bit of a mutiny kind of going on and that they just, you know, everybody in the school wants to go and find their family. They don't know if the army is coming. They don't want to just stay put. And of course, that upsets the savage dick who all of a sudden you start noticing the wheels in his head turn and what the plan that he's possibly going to do later on. To listen to me, we have to stay in the school. You have to trust me. I've devised a 12-point plan. Arthur, we're on our own. It's time to go. We have emergency guidelines in place for a reason. We have to hold on. Enough! If you love this place so much, you're welcome to stay. But I'm the headmaster. I'm the headmaster. I'm the headmaster. I'm the headmaster. I'm headmaster. Come with us, Arthur. You can help. Don't patronize me, you fucking janitor! After everything I've done for you all... Okay, he's an extremely savage fucking dick. 
it's so ridiculous everything that happens in the scene because he just doesn't understand why they just won't follow his lead like he's the fucking master of the school this is the way that it should go I know what's best for everybody, but everybody just wants to find a way to reunite with their family. Let them go through the halls. Let them see that the outside world is terrible and really leaving from this school at this point in time is not the best fucking thing. Or at least try to gather everything that they can together. But instead, he just has a big fucking power trip in this scene. It's just, it's my school. You know, so you know that he's going to do something terrible. More than likely, he's going to let the zombies into the fucking school to basically fucking kill everybody and ruin everything. Like, why would you do it? It just doesn't make sense. Even for this character, it doesn't really make sense. And you know that he doesn't want to be lower than what... Anna's father is, and he still calls him a fucking janitor, but you know what? He's got the clearest head on his fucking shoulders. He's like, look, you still will be really helpful to us. Just come with us. That's all that we want you to do. Like, you don't have to stay here. If we all stay together and we all work together, everything will be better, but he doesn't want to fucking hear that shit. All that he's hearing in the back of his fucking mind is, oh shit, they don't fucking want to listen to what I'm, I'm the fucking ruler. I'm the fucking one that's going to be doing this shit. It's so ridiculous that he has this just like bitch switch that just goes on like when I can't get my way, you know what? I'm going to just have to fucking kill all of you. It, it makes sense in some ways, but in other ways, especially as the character progresses a little more, it just doesn't seem like he would necessarily have gone on this fucking path, like, this fucking quick, because nobody's listening to him. I know he wants power, and I know that he wants to be seen as the big shot, because maybe something in his past. And I feel that's where that one song is there that needs to be here to kind of understand this transformation a little bit more. And maybe that's why they decided to add it in after. I understand that you want to focus on the kids, but when you're trying to make, I feel like a giant jump with the character and you have something that explains that giant jump, there's no reason to take it out, especially when it's probably like a two, maybe three minute song between the two of them that you can see what that relationship really was. And you can see that, you know, why he holds this animosity towards the dad in whatever shape it is, even though the dad is, you know, lower than him, supposedly. But honestly, everybody respects him a lot more than they respect this asshole because he keeps being a savage dick to everybody. Like, he just can't let shit go and he can't just be a normal fucking person. He's got to be a complete and fucking jack-off to everybody there, including basically getting everybody killed. So... After we have this little scene inside the school where you know shit's about to go down, we cut back out and we see that Anna and John are talking. And this is where Anna puts poor John in the apocalypse friend zone. That's weird, isn't it? I mean, like, you hear about riots and revolutions in other countries. We're not here. We could die. Hey. Well, we could, though. At least she won't be going anywhere anymore, so that's something. What does that mean? Well, it's different now. You can't just leave. John, you're my best friend, yeah? You know that. Of course. John. 
You're my best friend. Swap. Nobody's dying. I'm going travelling. You're going to art school. Yeah, because abstract impressionists are super important right now. You really think you can still get away after all this? Watch me. So, that is a fucking bitch move. If I ever fucking saw one... Like, he's kind of pouring himself out to you right there, and you've just got to shut him the fuck down. No, guess what? You're my best friend. Yeah, I know. No. You're my best friend. I I know. I'm your best... No. You do not fucking understand. There will be no P in the V action. You are just my best fucking friend. I have no feelings towards you. In fact, I've been fucking Nick for all this fucking time, and you ain't gonna ever get any of this anytime. It doesn't matter if there's fucking zombies. doesn't matter if you fucking saved my life. It doesn't matter anything. Nothing more is going to happen to you. You are only going to be a friend. I know, but that's, you know, not what I mean right now. No, friend. Friend? You? You here? Zone of friends? And see him over there, hot stuff, asshole, zone of dick. That's the zone that he fucking stays in, okay? You friend, him dick. I mean, she might as well just had a fucking sign that fucking showed her vagina with a giant fucking circle and a red fucking line through it and said, here, this is for you. It's it's just like, this is the way that she's going to break it to him. She's just basically going to tell him right here, right then, where everything is going around. You know, he's just like, oh, now you're going to be around more. So maybe we could, you know, get to know each other better. But, of course, that's not the way that it's going to go. And it's really kind of fucked up, to be honest with you. And it does feel like a little bit that she, you know, I don't think that she necessarily let him on. I- I'm not really going to say that. But you do get that feeling a little bit. So... From here, we see that they're going to find a little... They found, like, a Christmas tree store. And they decided that the best way and the quickest way to get to the school before it turns dark, because there is no power anymore, is to go right through this Christmas tree store, which has lights, by the way, and then, you know, end up over by the school and everybody can escape just fine. And, of course, this is when all of the friend fodder is going to fucking die. So they go into the trees. There's a little bit, like, a gnome, and there's a stupid gnome joke... Where they all get scared by the gnome and then all of a sudden the zombies come out and they start attacking everybody. Nick and his friends are able to fend off some of the zombies, but eventually his friends do get it. And I believe the guy with the PS2 controller gets it fucking first like it fucking should have been. Uh, and then the other two friends, they get it as well. And they all escape out of there uh, with themselves. And there's one point when... Chris drops his phone and then he goes back to grab it and Steph gets really mad at him for picking up the phone because he could have died. And they managed to get John and Nick gets a little mad about it because, you know, what is John to you other than just a friend? You know, it's all about saving yourself than anybody else. And so you have them all kind of get back together and then something tragic happens to John. 
Sorry about your friends. Yeah, they should have kept up. You should have left it behind. It's just plastic and glass. And all my photos and videos. Lisa and Gran. They're alive, Chris. You don't believe that? You think your girlfriend's dead? And your parents? You'll think of something. You usually do. It's actually kind of annoying. We good to go? Does John need to change his tampon? I can really see why you find him so irresistible. Shut up. Come on. Oh, by the way. I remember the names of all Santa's reindeer. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You ready? Okay, ready. Okay. So there's Dasher, Dancer, Comet, Vixen, Cupid. Cupid? I know, right? Prancer, Donner, Blitzen, and Rudolph. So, of course, John gets bit by a goddamn zombie while reciting all the damn reindeer names that they knew, well, that he figured out after they had that heartfelt conversation towards the beginning of the movie. This is honestly surprising. Like, I knew that he was going to die. I just didn't know when. I thought it was going to be one of the last people to die in the whole movie, especially since he seems to be one of the main characters of the film, yet here he is, Yet, here he gets bitten, and his last thing that he does is pushes Anna through the crowd. He puts his back to all the zombies, holds her tight, and then throws her to everybody and gets eaten alive by the zombies. It it really does suck, because this sucks for his character arc. Like, she doesn't realize anything about him. She basically just friend zones him, says, yeah, we're just fucking friends. That's all we're going to fucking be. She saves his life. You think that... You know, after he almost dies and she may be changing her tune a little bit because she realizes what he means to her, then he gets fucking bit once again and that's fucking it. We're done with him. He doesn't get anything else other than he got to save the woman that he loves. That's all we get. There's no satisfying end for him. It's not like, you know, it's tragic that she finally revealed that, you know what, I've been lying to myself, I really do love you, yada, 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 I want us to be together, and then fucking gets bitten, he saves her, and he learns, and he gets to be happy at that point. He doesn't even get to be fucking happy, and he's happy that she's surviving, and he's basically saved her life, and he goes down with a smile, but he still goes fucking down without any type of redemption for anything that he's done. He's been nothing but a good guy. I mean, the whole thing is that, guess, good guys do finish last. Even in this universe, with the apocalypse coming on, and Nick is still alive, still gets to be an asshole, and still has, like, heartfelt conversations with fucking Anna, because she's still fucking into him, even though, you know, he has such a, you know, 
John, I should say, has such a fucking tragic end that it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I really wish they had done... Well, one, I wish for something different, so I guess I got that out of this. But two, I wish that you just had a little bit extra for fucking John because he's such a better character than his outcome was basically became in the movie. So we see that now the people that are left are Chris and Nick... Steph and Anna, and they finally reach the school. They fight their way into the school, and then it's when they run into that savage dick who's fucking eating something right as they walk into the school. What are you doing? I'm eating my Christmas dinner, Miss North. I expect you'll be wanting to see your parents. You're very lucky, children, because they almost left. Okay, so is that not a portent for something went fucking down just a second ago? And they're all going to follow this asshole to wherever he wants them to go? Of course that's what they're going to do, because they're just stupid fucking kids. And so he leads them into a room, and then you get, I guess, the trap and the worst fucking song in the whole fucking movie. What the fuck? Do you know, Miss North, for such a serious journalist, your vocabulary does leave an awful lot to be desired. You're a teacher, for God's sake. I'm not so cocky now, are we, Miss Shepard? I can't wait to show your daddy what's left of you. Savage, please, 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 please. Shut up, all you idiots. You little shits should listen to me. so many things i feel like that's wrong with this song and if it was done on purpose like i feel a lot of these things were okay maybe i understand like why you're doing like that like the whole idea of the song is that look at what i've become everybody thought that i wasn't going to become anything and yet look what's happening and what i'm doing to everybody and i'm the reason for this going on so ha 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 here i am and you know you can rock me like a hurricane or something like that it's it's just so ridiculous like but it's terrible and what he's doing is terrible at the same time so you have that juxtaposition of and i honestly don't believe that they meant for it to be terrible and if they did i guess bravo bravo i don't know what else to fucking do because it's just doesn't seem right for this type of like scene like i get the song and the fact that you know and maybe the other song is so much better you know and he sings it a lot better because he has range you can hear it towards the beginning and it's only the chorus that really makes everything terrible and even before it kind of 
does it's like okay i'm like okay i can get it especially since he's doing that like fast like talk singing when somebody can't really completely sing but he has a couple of times where he holds a couple of notes and it sounds pretty good and we, even with the rest of the song and what's going on in the scene is also very chaotic because they're fighting the zombies at the same time as he's like singing and basically has them trapped and he's all gleeful that he's killing these kids off and you know he's got his thing with his dad and he wants to go oh, yeah when I kill you Anna and I show you to your dad it's gonna be a great fucking day and it's like okay that's that's fucking weird if that's the way that these like gonna work out but it's all done within this just weird fucking song where it wants to be like oh god it's almost like it wants to be like a a danny elfman you know dead man's party type of song with the horns and the way the guitar works and everything like that but yet it just doesn't have the strength to be uh, a good song to fit within the movie between him and nick they're just kind of like Nick's song is at least okay. It just, he, he needs harmonies to make it, I believe, sound a lot better and more, you know, realistic. And even when he starts kind of singing it to himself a little later when there isn't, that's not that bad. But this just doesn't, like, and he does sing later on, and it's not that bad. That point, it's not that bad, but they are trying to get that, like, that type of stuff in there, and I just, I just don't feel that it works. So, they managed to actually get one of the uh, gates up oh, that's on the windows and escape that way, and they break up into two different groups. One group that's going to go find her dad, which is going to be Nick and Anna, and the other group that's going to go get Steph's keys, which is going to be Chris and is going to be uh, Steph. So the first thing that we see is we see Chris, and this is where I feel like his arc, it starts to close but he really does grow as a character in this film when he uh, you know apologizes directly to Steph for what he said earlier where he says you don't even care that your parents are dead you think that everybody's dead your girlfriend your mom all this stuff it's basically saying like you don't care you only really care about what you need to survive and how you need to to do what you need to do and you're just mad at everything so you don't you know if they're dead whatever who gives a shit you know it's not that type of thing where when he had his camera, like, everything about his life and everything that he cared for, even though it was just glass and plastic, it still was everything to him. Because it's all the pictures. Because if they are dead, that's all he's got left. He only has the pictures of Lisa, who he really does love. He's only got the picture of his grandma, who's the only main person in his life. Because we don't even know what the fuck his parents, if they're even around, they're dead, whatever it is. But she's on her last legs. And so we get a little bit of a bittersweet reunion between him and Lisa. And we also get him apologizing directly to Steph and realizing that, hey, what he said was completely wrong. I didn't mean it about your parents and stuff. Sir. It's fine. I know how I am, so. Well, whatever happens, you've got us. It's Lisa's song.
she opened the doors and we, we had to run and there was just so many of them. But, but we her, her heart, but we, we got her up here, but her, her heart was... I'm so sorry. This is not one of them. So it sucks. You know, he finally is able to reunite with Lisa, which he's very happy about. But he's not able to see his grandma before she passes away because her heart just can't take this anymore. And it's very bittersweet. But at the same time, it's like it, it still is hopeful because the two of them have gotten back together. And they could still have their ending that they wanted at the beginning of the film. Well, that Lisa really wanted. But you see that Chris really has kind of come into his own within the whole thing. Like, he's not necessarily the same bumbling guy that he was. Because when they go downstairs to go get the car from Savage's office, you know, he does play decoy for Steph. And I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit and then we'll come back to what's going on with Nick. But I want to finish Chris off, um, literally and figuratively. Um, But it's... You know, they go down in there and Steph is able to crawl her way into the office while dodging everything that's going on. They find out that the zombies get all distracted by the, you know, sparkly things in that are hanging all the garland and the stars and stuff like that. And she's able to get the stuff. And it's funny because she pulls the stuff from like the, you know, all the stuff that he's recovered from students. And there's like wine and, uh, you know, her keys and some other little things. She takes some like, like candies or something and then there's a dildo and she's like ooh, and like wouldn't you want that i mean well i guess it's been used by somebody else so maybe she wouldn't want that i don't know uh but you know when she finally comes out and she's just like yep i'm ready to get the fuck out of this place and just leave this all behind that's when we see that chris has put his uh you know to distract the zombies he's put his phone and connected to the tv so that all the videos and stuff that he's been taking they're playing and they're basically blocking out the zombies and stuff sees it and this is kind of the closing of her arc as well when he said you know you all have us she's also like a zombie like standing there and staring at all the videos that he's taken and it's everything that they've been through together and it's the good times and it's the bad it's the running away from the zombies and it's split in with the moments of you know lisa and him together and happy and it's just it's oddly beautiful and it's that growth for both of them like he's kind of like they're both sacrificing themselves for her and they do try to get out of there and they do end up getting bit by zombies and you know she's able to escape and it's a bittersweet ending for both of them you know chris and lisa now they're going to become part of the undead and steph she's going to be able to escape from the scene uh but she realizes that she was she got what she wanted for christmas which was to be with family and it was at that moment that she realized that's what she was with she was with the people that were her family it wasn't necessarily her mom and dad but it was anna and john and chris and now lisa and they've always been together and your friends are just another part of that extended family that you have and it was it was actually a really like pretty beautiful scene and it's weird because it's all with you know, it's all like, this is just my context of it, too, in, in seeing how they react to everything and seeing how she looks at the screen and you watching that. And it so goes by so quick. But 
I just felt that there was something satisfying for both of these characters in the way that everything ended and that it was just wonderful. Like, I, it sucks that, yeah, Chris and Lisa have to die. They got bit by zombies. But even when you see them at the end of the movie one last time, it's like, it's sweet and it brings a tear to your eye. And here you have Steph and she, she's going to get what she really wants what she wanted out of life without her parents being there. And yeah, she may be bitter and she may be more of an activist, but here she seems the most human that she's ever seemed in the entire film. So while all this has been going on, we have Sarah and Nick and we see that, you know, we learn what kind of has happened in between them. And we also learn that there is a little bit of a softer side that Nick has that he lets out to Anna and also lets her go so she can compete in the final showdown. Shit. Hey, don't worry. Find your dad, okay? Dream team. We're a lot of things, Nick, but we've never been a team. Hey, it wasn't me, you know. That night you stayed at mine, I didn't say nothing to no one. Wait, you think that's why I'm angry with you? Well, yeah, obviously. Nick, I don't care about the sex. I'm angry with you because we shared all that stuff about our future and you acted like it meant something. And then you just dumped me. I trusted you. Oh. That's it? You are such a prick. Hey, look, just because your little fuck buddy died, don't go taking that all on me. Don't just you me. dare talk about John! What have you ever done that wasn't just about yourself? Kill my dad? He got bit. So he gave me the bat. And he said, Don't you let me down, son. For once. So I... Okay, so does she really deserve to have two different guys sacrifice themselves for her so that she can get out of that? Like, is she so much like of a catch that this is the way that it's going to go? Other than the fact that she's truly the main, the main character and she probably has main character armor and isn't going to get killed in this fucking film and everybody is going to protect them. Yeah, I don't know if that's the case because I just feel like she's done a bunch of stuff that just 
I mean, it's not the best because she's just going to go off to fucking Australia and got mad at her dad because she wasn't going to spend a year in the university. And then he was upset because he's looking at her like, what would your mom say? And trying to use that against her. And I get that's kind of a dick move to do that to her. But at the same time, it's honestly true. Like her mom probably wanted a lot better for her than just her to go to fucking Australia and fucking be done with that, right? not actually better herself just go and do what she's going to do go on that fucking you know dick vacation that she was planning and visit every single place that she possibly could to get the best sex that she's ever had in the world right it's just not that's not what they want and what they want planned for them it's just a parent being a parent and he doesn't know how to do it because he doesn't have her mom to do it right right and so she does realize that maybe she's kind of a dick or kind of a bitch when she does that, but not really. I mean, it's the same thing when she tells John that you're just in the fucking friend zone. That's all you're ever going to fucking be. And she kind of feels bad about it at the same time. And then here too, you know, she basically, what have you ever fucking fought for? And then he breaks down and he's just like, well, you know, I had to kill my dad. And cause he asked me to do it. And it's not something that I should have done. And, and she's like, oh, well, I guess I kind of feel bad. I'm kind of a bitch for like talking like that. But at the same time, Nick is kind of a dick too. And he doesn't deserve this type of arc. This is not redemption either. Just because he's going to go ahead and sacrifice himself for her doesn't mean you can forgive him for being a fucking prick to every fucking person. And the only thing that he wants from her is fucking sex. Because even the first time that they see each other again, hey, if you want to hook up a little bit more, we can still hook up. Okay. Like, that's exactly what she wants. Oh, yeah, no, it's okay. I don't need anything else from you. I just want to make sure that we have dick. Like, really? That's the way that you're going to approach these things? And then you're the one that's still alive at this point in the fucking movie? If anything, it should have been John in that situation. That's the way I felt it should have gone. And again, I got what I wanted, right? This is a little different. Here's the prick. The prick is still alive at this point in the movie where I think John should have been the one to sacrifice himself for her and push him off. And then he, you know, maybe he shows up again. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. It just sucks because... His arc was so much better than fucking Nick's arc. Nick just has to have the revelation that he killed his father. Then everything is cool? No, everything's not fucking cool. You can't fucking do this. I feel like this is really fucking lazy writing. Like, if you're going to try... I understand you're trying something different. You want this to be different. You've already said there's no such thing as a Hollywood ending. So, John doesn't get to get his way. I totally get that. That's part of what that song is, right? It's really going to detail the way the rest of the movie is going to fucking go. Because even with Lisa and Chris, they're not getting their Hollywood ending a little bit. Because they get to die in each other's arms. They get to kiss one last time before they go. But they got fucking killed by zombies. What's happening with Steph? We don't fucking know. Last thing we know, she got the keys. And we haven't seen her since. So is she going to show up at the end? And is she going to die? We don't fucking know. All we know is that Nick's now led away the zombies. The prick is still going. He's maybe changing his stripes or whatever you want to say. But she gets to go and have the last confrontation with the dick of all dicks. The giant savage dick. And he's very surprised that she's even around after she goes in the main auditorium and finds her dad. Anna, run! How on earth are you still alive? Showing off, I see. Quite the leading lady, aren't we? Well, 
stage is all yours. Why don't you give us all a show? So that's when she puts down her weapon and the zombies all wait. This has been the other thing, too, is that whenever they're doing these fucking musical numbers or they're doing something, the only time the zombies have ever attacked them during the middle of a song or a situation was during the bad guy song where they had to fight off the zombies as he was singing terribly and blissfully in the background. And here... She's just like, okay, I'm going to put down my weapon. I'm going to tie up my hair in a ponytail, which I don't even know where she got the fucking rubber band from because she hasn't had a hair tie or anything on her fucking arms the entire time. But it cuts away to him, cuts back to her. Boom, she's got a fucking hair tie. I get it. People might run around with hair ties and everything like that. But it just seemed like it was in the middle of fucking nowhere she gets this hair tie. And so she ties up her hair. She gets ready. And it's time for the showdown with the final fucking song. It's been said the world's a stage And everyone must play their part Well, if that's true, I'll act with all my heart I'll take my cue to go Stand neath the spotlight Shepherd, you're so wrong, you don't have a clue. A purge on this species is long overdue. All humanity's broken, our story is done. As the set catches fire, might as well have some fun. So raise the curtain, hit the light, strike up the band for the final night. And if it is my time to go, So that song is very fun as well. And it's a great, like the choreography for everything. And again, it's like she puts, she takes one of the zombies and she moves them around with her cane and then throws her cane with the zombie off into the distance. And then the next one comes at her and she ducks before it decides just to jump the fuck over here. It's like with a zombie really like, it's like he tripped on something imaginary. And then when it cuts back to her after you know, Savage Dick over here is fucking singing. And then the candy cane's in front of her. Like, her weapon is right in fucking front of her, out of the middle of nowhere, after it went on some zombie back in the fucking distance. Like, everything is so deus ex machina, it's fucking ridiculous, with things that just pop out of the middle of fucking nowhere. So, she fights through the zombies as they continue to sing to each other, and eventually she is able to make one of the zombies bend over so that she can jump on his back and jump up onto the stage and freeze her fucking dad. And when she frees her dad... There is a little bit of a scuffle in between him and Savage. It's funny, too, because when she gives him a hug and then Savage Dick is like, group hug. And they're like, no, fuck you. Look at all this shit that you've done. Like, we could have still been here and could have been saved and all been together, you know, minus Nick's dad, I guess, and John. Uh, but they could have all been in one place, gotten what they need to, and then gone because they would have had a car available. And... 
you know, what about her dad and her dad's car? Is the key just locked up somewhere else? They could have gotten his car and gotten the fuck out of there too. But I guess the zombies also were fucking, you know, going through everything. So her dad and Savage have one final showdown. And this is, again, where that song is missing. Like, why is there a showdown between the dad and Savage? And why not between Anna and Savage? It doesn't make any sense to me. You know, it could have been that, and of course, you know, we'll say that during the fighting here, I'm saying it could have been that she was about to get bit and then the father pushes her out of the way and gets bit, but he gets bit while he's fucking fighting Savage. Like, he pushes him to the edge of the stage, you hear the zombie bite, and then, you know, he turns around and punches him, and when Savage is trying to come after him one last time, they un- like tangle the giant star from the beginning of the movie, and it swings down, it knocks him, and knocks him right into the zombies, like he's fucking Jesus Christ Superstar, and he's about to be crucified, and then instead he gets eaten by zombies, and that's the end of fucking Savage. And that's where you find out that, you know, the father has been bitten, but without that song between the two of them, we know there's animosity, but why is it there? It would have been, I think, very helpful for the film to just include the song. It doesn't make any sense why they removed the song other than to say, well, we wanted to focus on the kids. But then you have a finale, a final fight that's between two of the characters. One of them isn't the fucking kids and one of them is the big antagonist. And if we had that song and we knew that bad blood that was there and maybe the father finally gets fucking revenge. Maybe it was that he was always the rich kid and he was always bullying everybody and that's why he just keeps calling the fucking janitor. Or maybe it was flipped. He used to be the bully and even though maybe he was the rich kid he didn't deserve that and like really it came down to like look i'm sorry it's not what i meant to do i was a bad person back then and then all of a sudden you know he's like well i'm still gonna be a fucking dick because that's the way you treated me and everybody gave you the benefit of the doubt and when they should have believed me instead it would have been nice to have a song or something like that that would have given you that. And they have it. That's what kind of pisses me off is that I wish that that actually was in this film. I wish I had seen the Blu-ray version of this film. But that's not the version that you get for streaming online. So he gets knocked in there and then we find out that poor old dad, he has been bitten. And of course... <laughs> You have the way that they finish off this scene is absolutely terrible because basically they say to each other, because it is Christmas, Merry Christmas, but it's like, Merry Christmas, your dad's going to die. They've got to be working on a cure. Happens too quickly. I can't come with you. Yes, you do. You do. <laughs> Just like always. God, if your mum could see you now. Uh, not crazy about your boyfriend, though. He's not my boyfriend. Well, there's some good news. You need to go. I don't want to. Please, for once in your life. Don't argue with me. Do you want me to help? No. Then? He's right. I am so proud of you. Now come on. Hook her off. 
Christmas, Anna. Merry Christmas, Dad. So that's it for dear old dad. He's now going to become a zombie. And it's kind of cool that, like, she's like, you want me to finish you off? And then Nick's like, you don't want that. And the dad's like, yeah, you you really don't want that. I I can do it, or I'm just going to live with the consequences and become a zombie. Because he knows exactly what that's going to bring upon her. And it's also kind of funny where he's like, you know, oh, your boyfriend's here. She's like, he's not my boyfriend because they've broken up. But yet there still is something there in between them. And it's possible that there could be more. Uh, it's kind of a sad ending, and it's not necessarily, you know, it was expected that this was going to happen. Like, this is one of those things where I'm like, yeah, of course, the dad's going to die at some point, even though they get back together. It was just a matter of, wow, Nick is still fucking alive, and Nick, is he going to survive the rest of this fucking movie? Because if he is, that's fucking bullshit, and that's fucking unexpected. But, you know what, it's almost done so they go outside and what i thought was the last song actually turned out to be not the last song the last song is i call where is the light um and that's basically them outside looking at everything that's going down and it's really kind of cheesy the way that everything's done because during this song you actually get glimpses of all the characters and kind of what's gone on with them what's happened with them you see the dad he's dying over there inside of the you know auditorium you don't see savage dick because he's not a character you're supposed to like uh you see which is honestly a little sweet and ridiculous that i feel that way but you see Chris and Lisa, they're zombies, and they walk towards each other, and they touch hands. And it's like, oh, they're still in zombie love. And I'm like, maybe there's going to be zombie sex, but of course there probably isn't going to be. Um, and then you see John, and he's like, he's been torn apart. You see all his guts on the ground, and he's sitting over there, and he's looking out. And then he hits his chest, and he turns all the lights on on the fucking sweater that he's been wearing and then you see the two of them, they finish up the song outside. So let's uh, listen to a little of their last desperation and the last, like, kind of full song in the film. I'm gonna look back over my yesterdays. I was so sure, certain I'd find my way. And now the world. Oh, it's such a different place All of my dreams Are gone without a trace Where is the light That used to shine Oh, where is the life That once was mine but while there's hope, oh, while I still breathe, I will believe. All of a sudden, the blood in my veins runs cold. Thinking about all the days that I just let go. Twice of the price for the memory 
So I really like this song as well. And one of the main reasons is just because it still has a very, like, hopeful outlook on the rest of what's going on, even though the world's crashing down. But as long as there's some light, that she's going to believe that there's going to be something better. And I like the fact that Nick joins in, and he harmonizes so well with her. And it's beautiful. I love the way the chorus works in this song. So it's just... Like, it's it's great because it's both, like, it's uplifting because the moment the chorus hits, that's when you see all the fucking cheesy-ass fucking bullshit that goes on with all the other people that they've known before and all the memories that they're going to have with them and how they're going to live on. And that's going to be the light that's going to carry them through and all this fucking bullshit. But it still is a fucking beautiful song. It's well arranged. And it's great for this point in the movie. So... It's just surprising that that's like the last full song that we're going to end on. So while all hope seems lost and it seems like the zombies, they're going to start, you know, crushing in on everything. Nick looks up to Anna one last time. He speaks his last few words and then we get somebody coming in to save the day. And that is the end of the film. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, there is one last little scare at the end of it, and I'd managed to keep it in at the end of this little clip. But yeah, that's the end of the movie, and it really kind of is a Hollywood ending, even though it's not a Hollywood ending, because they don't get to get everybody back together, not everybody fucking survives, you know, but there still is, you know, light and joy and... The, you know, snow starts coming down at the end when she pops in at the last minute, steps there with her car, and she saves them. I love it that she comes in and goes, boom, saved ya. Um, and I really do love that character, too. Between her and Chris, they're probably the two characters that I connect the most with in the film. And that I really feel, like I said, have the best arc in the whole film. And there's a giant smile on her face because, you know... 
and even with Anna, it's like, okay, well, I guess I get to get out of this town because that's what we're doing. But yet the world is still in fucking danger. And I wonder if zombies actually survive in the cold of snow. I mean, if dead snow has taught me anything, you know, they're going to become Nazis and start killing a bunch of fools. So that's probably what's going to happen at the end of this film. Truly, is we're going to be overrun with Nazi zombies. So thank Anna and the Apocalypse for that one. So overall, it's not that bad. To be honest with you, it's something that's enjoyable. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff I can bitch about and I can shit upon, as uh, a certain uh, Dave would say. And it's, but it's still ultimately like, it's relatively uplifting. It is, you know, it's well arranged. Some of the choreography is still pretty good. It's a little cheesy, but I still enjoyed watching the entire movie from start to finish. You know, it's one of those films where I think if you just take it at face value, um, it might not do the most for you. But if you kind of look and try to see a couple of little things that they're trying to put into there, that they're trying to work with stereotypes and trying to bring something new to that type of genre and still make it available for everybody, then you can pretty much enjoy it, especially with all the songs in the film. Um, some of them are really terrible and some of them are actually beautiful. I really enjoyed uh, the very last song, the human voice or human touch or whatever it is called. I keep wanting to call it the touch and I keep thinking about trying transformers when i do that um because they may have it uh even the poppy ones in the beginning even the hollywood ending song and the brand new day song like that one i find myself singing um and i like the showdown song a lot too it's cheesy in terms of the way that they get it you know matched up and that they're singing to each other and she's talking about how she's gonna go fight but that's a musical thing uh, but it's still a very fun song. And then you have Nick's solo song and you have Savage's solo song, which I just, I cannot get behind. And even the Hollywood ending song, it's a little too cheery, cheesy for me, but I can see what they're trying to do with it. And if everything was done on purpose in a specific way that we're going to do these songs this way, it's smart. Whether I like the song or not, it's a smart choice to do that. It's a smart choice to have Nick, who's a loner, sing the song by himself without any fucking harmonies. It's, you know, because of the way that, you know, Savage sees himself, it's fun to have him sing it in a terrible fucking way. And to get that across, even though he thinks that he's the shit, because he kind of acts like he's the shit in the song, he's not really the shit. It's he's a really terrible person. He gets a really terrible song. So I understand it and I totally get those things. So the film itself um, with the ratings, the gore rating on this is a four out of five. Uh, it has some really great gore effects. I love it when they pop that snowman's head off for the very first time. They in the uh, bowling alley scene when they crush the guy's head and they shove the spatula through the guy's face, all of those things. And even when they, uh, smash the toilet seat on the lady. You don't necessarily see the face, but with the blood splatter and everything, it's fucking great. That That is amazing. The practical effects in here are really fucking cool, and you can tell that they set up specific spots just to be practical. Uh, and a lot of the makeup, like when you look upon John before he turns the fucking lights on on his shirt and you see all his guts and stuff on the ground, it looks really cool. So I give that a 4 out of 5. The Crap Factor, it's a 3 out of 5. It's a musical. I mean, take it at face value. It's got some really cheesy parts with some bad songs some bad jokes and some 
jokes really do stick the landing. So it's just kind of up to you and your type of humor, whether or not you're going to enjoy it. But I think it's kind of a middle ground for me. It's a three out of five. Um, it could be worse. It could be much better. Uh, and it kind of sits there in the middle. The fun factor is the same thing. It's a three out of five. It really depends on how much you like musicals. I think it's very smart. I think that some of the songs are really good, but when it falls flat, I feel like it falls way flat. Like that fucking, uh, that fucking penguin fish song. That is really fucking flat. Um, it's meant to be funny, but I just don't find it that funny other than the reaction of the audience and Savage and her dad. So overall, I'm going to give this three out of five friend dead zones. Uh, it's, it really is just fun. When you're watching it, it's fun. It's not necessarily meant to be taken completely serious. It's a musical. Musicals are going to work in the way that they do. And this is just the way this musical works. So it's really going to be uh, your mileage may vary. If you enjoy musicals, if you enjoy smart musicals, you might have a lot more fun with this. If you're going to get annoyed by the whole high school musical type of angle where they're really trying to overplay the cheesiness of that stuff, then you're not going to have as much fun with it as you could have had with other movies. So I just kind of right in the middle. I think that at the end of it, I was like, I'm glad that I watched that. Because I think it could be something that I could watch every now and then. It's not an every year Christmas movie like Santa's Slay or something like that. Or Scrooged, right? But it's something that if I want to put it on and want to have a good time, I could do that. And it's kind of fun to sing along with a couple of the songs. I'm not going to lie. Um, and it's just, you know, it's right there. It's a, it's a mediocre movie with some great moments in it. So... Uh, next film on the docket. So we're going to start the new year and we're going to go ahead and go with, uh, a whole theme month. Now I told you last time that I'm going to be running a contest and the contest is going to start next year. It's going to start because we're going to be doing a giant theme. Now, if you listen to the, uh, Christmas special episode, you know that formats are changing just a little bit over here. Not anything major. There's still going to be two reviews from me a month, but we're also going to include, uh, Dave's new podcast that is going to be a part of the feed as a bonus podcast. It's going to be done in a similar style of theme that I do it in the way that I do it, but it's going to focus more on old horror and sci-fi. So you get a little bonus episode every, uh, you know, month. And sometimes maybe Dave might take over and do an episode or two while I only do one. If something comes up like next month, for example, I'm going to be at CES with a company that I work for. So I'm still going to do the two episodes, but if I had planned better, it might have only been one maybe just to get everything going or have him do something specific, you know, but it's not going to be like that all the time. It's basically just to give you guys more content. And uh, I think that it's going to be a lot of fun to listen to some of the old sci-fi stuff. And it's cool to have Dave back and still doing a podcast. But make sure you do go out and check Dave's final episode of Dave's Pop Culture Podcast. And, uh, you know, it's a fun little time. It's not a little time. It's a long time. Uh, but it's a good episode. And it's definitely an epic finale to the end of that podcast. A lot of special guests and everything on that. And also check out the last holiday bonus episode that we put out this month on the He-Man Christmas special. So with that, he's going to do a specific movie next month. And so that's why my theme is kind of going around it. And the movie that he's going to do, well, I'll leave that to be a surprise. Uh, you can kind of guess based on my theme what it's going to be. So we're going to do 
for the month. It's going to be Kurt Russell month, uh, or you could also call it John Carpenter month. So the very first movie that we're going to do is going to be one of my favorites and actually has been requested before. And we're going to actually bring a guest on this one to do this with me because I know it's one of his favorite films as well. And uh, I'll let the trailer speak for itself. This is Jack Burton in the Pork Chop Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a pretty amazing planet we live on here, and a man would have to be some kind of fool to think we're all alone in this universe. There is a hidden world where ancient evil weaves a modern mystery. What's going on here? Is this some kind of... Magic. The darkest magic. They call it Little China. Finally, we shall bring order out of chaos. It's where big trouble was waiting for Jack Burton. Who? Jack Burton. Me. Jack. Jack. Jack! They told him to go to hell. We make one move. And that's just where he's going. Somebody, I don't care who, tell me what is going on. There are many mysteries, many unanswerable questions, even in a life as short as yours. My destiny rests in your capable hands. Hey, I'll do my best. Take Cracker Jack timing, Wang. One, two, three. We may be trapped. Total concentration. Safety. Huh, yeah. You ready, Jack? I was born ready. Way to go, Jack. Jack Burton's coming to rescue your summer. Hey, what more can a guy ask for? 20th Century Fox presents Kurt Russell in John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. It's all in the reflexes. So that's right. We're going to look at John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China next time. And I'm bringing Paranormal Pat along with me. So he's going to be here for that episode. Uh, hopefully, if we get everything set up properly like I should. Like I said, I'm coming back from CES. So it may be up a little later than normal, depending on you know how everything works. Because I'm going to be flying in the day that I normally record. But I should have everything prepared as long as I'm not really a big procrastinator. Especially with the NFL playoffs coming up uh and uh, the 49ers going as far as they can possibly go but yeah we'll definitely have that ready for you on uh the 11th so that's when that'll be released and then the following week we'll release dave's episode and that'll lead into uh the second of two jarpin carpenter movies for the month where we will have somebody uh brand new on the podcast for that episode and that's going to be 
interesting on how I can get that done. So we'll see what's going on there and how I can prepare for that episode. So, uh, with that being said, don't forget to check out the podcast uh, and subscribe on everything that you may. Uh, leave us a review out there on the iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, uh, all those different things that are out there. I also want to say that at the end of this uh, little outro, I will be playing the song that I love the most. Uh, and I can wonder if you can guess which one it is. But as I was saying... Also, don't forget to check out the YouTube page, Terrible Terror Podcast on YouTube, Facebook.com slash Terrible Terror Podcast, or just search for us out there on Facebook and like the Facebook page, and on Twitter, of course, T underscore, T underscore Podcast. So, thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys have a very happy new year, and we'll see you on the next episode in 2020 for uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Ciao. Just a human